0: Damn. On a show that talks about time traveling Bigfoot and alien sex cults, this is serious journalism, people.
1: Serious.
2: This past time, past- this past-
0: time, we mean it.
2: If you think that there are not birds that are
0: not <laughs> real,
2: you're a moron. I do have a superstition that Satan and his minions. Yes interrupt mm, technological yes. connections when conversations are getting yes. particularly interesting or, or important. At
0: this point, I'm not throwing these weirdos out because maybe they're selling the truth. Why does everything have to be a hidden conspiracy where the motives <laughs> aren't really clear, where you can't tell what someone's intentions are from their words? Why, Abby, why?
1: I, I feel like you're just not answering the question.
0: There is a pattern here that is definitive. And Mm -hmm. this leads us to the CEO's response, which is not the way that you want to play being accused of in a conspiracy theory. Glowing metal things that are moving in impossible speeds and impossible directions. Defying laws of physics Showing up over battlefields Showing up over important historical events For all of history
1: This is Chekhov's gun, you guys It's the gun that's been sitting on the mantelpiece Since Act 1 It's Act 3 now I'm waiting for it to go off Welcome to Conspiracy Pilled Season 3, Episode 18. I'm never quite sure when we cross that bridge from live until...
0: It, well, yeah, no, that's fair. Well, we're, all, we're
1: live, but sometimes I just delay. Anyway, hi, PJ. How's it going? Hey,
0: it's going good. How you doing?
1: <laughs> good. I just <laughs> mailed your Christmas present today because I'm a good friend.
0: I am a terrible friend and I am late on everybody's Christmas gifts. So uh including yours. But it, it 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 will be in no, it's wait, I should have said it this way. It's in the mail, but I got a, a message. They, you know, it's oh. it got shipped to the wrong place. I oh. access it's taking longer. No, I'm mm. just really bad at uh at this stuff. But uh yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. Um we're gonna be talking about the uh Leave the World Behind, the new Netflix movie by the Obamas. Obamas. And uh before we get into this i just wanted to say like i watched this movie it came out what december 8th i think yeah december 8th i watched this movie like december 9th or 10th i planned on doing a real conspiracies for people who don't know that i I do these shorter ones where i cover like movies and the conspiracy motifs and hidden symbolism and stuff and I, i start was struggling to figure out what i wanted to cover because there's so much to cover And then I got really sick and then a lot of stuff came up and really busy around the holidays for work. So it just it kept getting pushed to the back. I was like, ah, maybe I won't cover it because everybody else has covered it at this point. And we have continued to receive messages, comments, emails, whatever, asking us to cover this. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to do it on real conspiracies. I'm going to make Abby watch this movie and we're going to, like, really dive into it. And I, I feel like there's a few ways to cover stuff like this. It's either you want to be, like, the first person that gets out there is like, I broke down the symbolism, here it is. Um, and since, obviously, we're a little behind, everybody else has already probably done an episode on this, I just wanted to do it really thorough. So, like, I spent a lot of time. Like I said, I watched this weeks ago. I've kind of been pouring over it and coming back to it and thinking about it and looking at stuff about it. And uh, I've listened to what everybody's had to say on it. And I feel like – I feel confident that we actually have – things to say about this movie that are not being said or have not been said yet so solid um that's basically what i wanted to say is if you've probably heard people talk about this uh but i i think we're gonna i think we're gonna get into some stuff that's just not being covered or some uh Mm -hmm. aspects on it maybe some different takes on things um so we're just gonna dive into it Um, yeah we're gonna we're gonna do the movie in a few segments we're gonna talk about it uh well, we'll get into it in a second. First of all, I want to shout out all of our local supporters. we got three new local supporters this week. Uh, we got uh, Thai Guy Burgers and Fries. We have BMAR44 and I Belong to Jesus 8, who are all new monthly supporters over on Locals. So if you guys want to get a bonus episode every week, go to conspiracypill.locals.com. If you're not already signed up, you missed an absolutely fantastically unhinged Christmas special last week, <laughs> which is one of my favorite episodes we've done. It was great. It, 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 was, it was super fun. Uh, And then you still have time to sign up for it. I mean, you can still watch it. We've got what 44 ish episodes, I think, or 45 episodes at this point that you can get behind the paywall. Uh, And tomorrow night, we're going to be covering some new year's stuff, giving predictions going into 2024. So don't miss that. Come over and support us and check that out. Um, Yeah, I also wanted to say Rumble has been like doing a lot of updates, a A lot lot. of updates. So one of the cool things that Rumble did is they added a playlist feature and we put all of our stuff into playlists. Now, when you go on our page, you can see what videos we've done live, what we've uploaded and what is in playlists. And over the last year and a half, we have released here and there an episode of Unhinged to give people a taste of what's behind the paywall. So if you're questioning whether or not you want to come over and join, uh, literally just go to our Rumble channel, look for that playlist. I think there's like five videos on there. Uh, So there's, again, there's like over 40 more videos that you get if you come over and sign up in a new one every week. So anyway, with that plug out of the way, let's talk about leave the world behind. One
1: second. Chat asked an important question. Somebody, uh, it was a while back. View3Ritza asked, is that Abby from Conspiracy Pilt? And it's pretty crazy to be recognized out in the (laughs) wild like this. But yes, (laughs) I am Abby from conspiracy pill. Okay, please continue PJ from That's conspiracy That's how you know pill. you've made it. When people
0: are <laughs> watching your show and they're like, "Hey, are you that girl from that show?"
1: Love it. All right, yeah, please continue. Love it, love
0: it. All right, so <laughs> for people who don't know, Leave the World Behind is a 2023 American apocalyptic psychological thriller film according to Wikipedia. It was produced, written and directed by Sam I think it's pronounced Smail. Uh, and if people are not familiar, he did the TV show, Mr. Roboto or Mr. Robot. I almost I said Mr. Robot. <laughs> Tomo <coughs> origato. He did, he did the TV show, Mr. Robot. Um, and uh, this movie was based on a 2020 novel of the same name by Ruman Alam. And I think the biggest reason everybody's talking about this because I don't think anybody knows who either one of those people are is because this was executive produced by Barack and Michelle Obama. Nice. And this is part of their uh, production company called Higher Ground. And Higher Ground so far has done like three documentaries that no one's ever heard of. They won awards even though like four people watched them because uh, it's the Obamas. right? But uh, they have. I want to talk about this for a second. So like the next thing they're doing, so it's weird. Like right? they do documentaries. Now they're part of this blockbuster thriller film. Mm. Cool. And cool, the cool, next cool, cool. thing they're working on is, I don't know if it's a documentary exactly. I think it's a, I think it's, I don't think it's a documentary. I think it's just a movie about Betty and Barney Hill. And for people who don't remember, we've talked about Betty and Barney Hill on our, I think it was on our Grays episode from season two. And they were kind of the first people to like bring the idea of the little gray aliens abducting people into the into the mainstream yeah. back in the 1960s. And people had a lot of questions about this. And I just want to know like, what's your thought? Like the Obamas, like because as we talk about this movie, you're gonna see there's a lot of like occult symbolism, a lot of hidden stuff, Freemasonic stuff, like really dark, deep messages. Like, why do you think the Obamas are doing a UFO thing next?
1: It it's weird. It's, it's definitely makes my little red flags go.
0: I have two, two takes on this. I think it could be, a, I think it's a little, little bit of common, a little bit of column B in this, where it's, I think that everybody, uh, all the elites are interested in controlling the narrative on how we think and what we believe about aliens and UFOs. So mm-hmm. We're going to see that. And then two as I think they're going to make it very racial because everything they do, they push the racial angle. And for people who don't know, Betty and Barney Hill were a mixed race couple. Oh, and interesting. the very like the very mainstream I don't believe in aliens take is that the reason that they hallucinated seeing aliens is because they were an a inner race couple living in the 60s and the pressure made them crack. And it's going to be a, some sob story about race and how Awful it is. Blah, 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 blah. Like I think that's the route they're gonna go, but I also think they're gonna try to control the alien narrative. So a little interesting thing there. Another interesting thing about higher grounds is the symbolism. If you mm-hmm. guys are listening to this, higher ground is a staircase mm-hmm. and it looks exactly like the Freemasonic staircase. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, some pretty obvious symbolism there. And there's gonna be a lot of symbolism in this episode. Um, and one of the questions I've heard a lot of people cover this. <laughs> And I'm going to try not to rant too much, Um, but a lot of conservatives covered this and had nothing interesting to say other than the Obama's produced it. Ah, They said racist Ah. things in the movie. Ah." Ah. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with you, but you had nothing like that was it. It was just boring. Right. Right. Um, and one of the things I kept hearing people say is, "Oh, they probably weren't that involved anyway," because people are just doing the knee-jerk outrage culture thing instead yeah. of actually spending five seconds looking into anything about the watch movie the at movie. all. Yeah, yeah. And so I just want to, to to set this up. They were very involved in this movie, and Don't I'm going to read you something from uh, Vandy Fair with the director Sam Esmail. And this is a quote: He said, "President Obama put Alams novel on his 2021 summer reading list and would offer Esmail thoughts on the screenplay." The filmmaker essentially had access to one of the world's most seasoned experts on managing a crisis quote in the original draft of the script. I definitely pushed things a lot further than they were in the film. And president Obama, having the experience he does have was able to ground me a little bit on how things might unfold in reality. I'm writing what I think is fiction for the most part. I'm trying to keep it as true to life as possible, but I'm exaggerating and dramatizing And to hear an ex-president say you're off by a few details, I thought I was off by a lot. The fact that he said that scared the fuck out of me. Sorry, there's going to be a lot of swearing in this episode because we're going to play clips from the movie. So I'm not even going to try to censor myself just so you guys know. We never
1: do. We We never do,
0: do, but especially, I'm just saying, like, even if I censored myself, the movie's got a lot of swearing. We're going to play a lot of clips. It's probably going to get (laughs) taken off of YouTube um, just so you know. So that's another reason to come over and support us on Rumble. Uh, But, yeah, they were very involved. Like he he said in multiple interviews that he would call Obama, that Obama read through the script. He read the book. He was Mm. on set. He was offering – or at times, I think. And he was offering a lot of advice. Basically, Mm. the idea of, like, how would the government respond to this? What's a realistic thing about this technology and this response and how the emergency alert system works and things like that? So uh, very involved. And you can tell – a few things. Either Obama inserted himself a lot into this movie because of his involvement or Sam Esmail was fangirling over Obama and wrote Obama as the main character of this movie, which is what we're going to talk about. Awkward. Uh, there's so much Obama in this freaking movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, uh, it, not a, and I don't mean a cameo. I mean you, c- you could just hear Obama speaking through like using Mahershala Ali as a puppet. Um, the tagline for this movie is very Obama anyway. it's uh, There's no going back to normal. So we've, you know, it's the whole, the, the new normal thing that we've been hearing about since 2020 and it's just continuing to push Mm. and push and push on, push on that. Um, This movie first premiered at the AFI festival on October 25th and the AFI fest ran from October 25th to October 29th. And here's, we're going to reference back to an episode because it's going to become important. And I'm sure if you've seen the movie or heard anything about it, you know, that friends is featured super heavily. In this film. Yes. Super, like, super, super heavily.
1: <laughs> there, there's, there's symbolism that's yeah. like,
0: subtle, you know, and then there's
1: subtle. Friends. And then there's like overt symbolism. And then on top of the overt symbolism, they're really, really worried you'll miss it. So they just keep shoving it right in your face. Hey, did you
0: get the, the symbolism? Movie, the movie is <laughs> essentially about how stupid Americans are. Another Obama thing. Um, but yeah, no, so here's here's the point. I, I, if you don't know what we said about the Matthew Perry thing, go back and watch that episode. That's one of the Unhinged episodes that we did release for people to see. It's not on YouTube, but it is on Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Perry died on October 28th. So in our episode on Matthew Perry, we laid out all the symbolism of how this seemed like an occult ritual. It happened during... S- S- Sol- I'm going to say Sam Hain. Screw you guys to tell me to say <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sam Hain. He was killed on Sam Hain during the Hunter's Full Blood Moon on October 28th. And we were saying it felt like an occult ritual and we've seen other occult bathtub rituals where they happened during festivals, during Grammys, during this, during that. And somebody gained power. Something seemed to, that's at least their belief is that they can gain power from taking it from Matthew Perry. And we kind of theorize on what it could be. And and a lot of people have said Doja cat. And we, we kind of pointed to that as well. I think this movie makes the case that this is why, this is why Matthew Perry was sacrificed. This movie. Because again, this movie comes out. He sacrificed the same week. The whole thing is about friends. He, Julia Roberts, dated, who's the main actress of this, dated Matthew Perry. He died on October 28th, and she was born on October 28th. So he was sacrificed on her birthday during a festival that her biggest movie that she's done in yeah. over a decade has come out. So,
1: yeah, that's, um, when I heard that, I was like, Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> when we get to oh. the, Yeah, and when we get to the end of this episode, I have one more piece of evidence that we'll bring out at the end that is, I think, extremely convincing that this is very much about, you know, this is why. This, is, this explains the Matthew Perry stuff, I think. Okay, so we're going to do this a little bit differently than we do other episodes. Um, we talked about this beforehand, and I want to cover this kind of an Inception-type way nice. because this movie works on three levels. It has the overt... at times political propaganda yeah it has the conspiracy themes the revelation of the method stuff Mm -hmm. and then on its deepest level it has very subtle at times subliminal occult messaging but it's there and i will show you and i I don't think i tried to leave out stuff that was a stretch as much as i could so there will be things that we don't say in this episode that we we've heard um and you can leave it in the comments and we can talk about it in the rumble section afterward but i'm trying to mostly stick to the stuff that i think is really really convincing because there's everybody's been digging through this movie you can read twitter and reddit and watch tiktoks on it all day long as i have for the last few days and the last few weeks actually so um
1: yeah i think the problem with the conservative commentators if if you'll if you agree um is that they catch that top level of any movie the political propaganda that's all they see and a lot of times it seems like political propaganda propaganda is just kind of inserted by the director or inserted
0: you know post the original script in, in this i think it was in the original
1: probably too. probably yeah. but like barbie movie and stuff like that it's it, I, I i've seen a it's lot more of ham-fisted conservative
0: than the rest yeah. of the messaging yeah
1: i've seen a lot of conservative commentators just completely miss anything else of value or interest in a movie because they're just skating along looking for the political very, very well, top-level
0: stuff. They also do something that's just a lie, and I want to bring this up right now because I'm going to try not to say who pissed me off with the take that I listened to for 45 minutes and why it was so bad. But I his mean, name rhymes
1: with Basin Hitlock, right? It does, it does
0: <laughs> rhyme with Jason Whitlock. Uh... <laughs> No, okay, because all he did was... I'm just going to say, it's already out. No, I don't care. Whatever. (laughs) What he did was he brought on two different people, and he just said, I can't believe I couldn't get my two and a half hours of my time back. Uh, This movie was racist because this one line. And that's all he brought up. And then he spent 20 minutes saying left-leaning racial talking points. Like, he was essentially complaining about cultural appropriation that Julia Roberts does in this movie. I'm like, I thought this was a... Anyway, my point was, what annoys me is that people go, I don't like Obama, I don't like the message this movie pushes, mm-hmm. and therefore it's a bad movie. Mm. It's not a bad movie. I actually think I actually think there's a pretty lot pretty of... Decent. I think it's a pretty decent movie. I think it's, it works as a thriller. There's definitely the heavy-handed political messaging, and that probably pisses you off like it pisses me off. Yes. And all the occult symbolism and all that stuff that we're going to talk about, but as, a, as cinematography was really excellent in this movie... Um, the acting was really excellent in this movie. There was times I was on the edge of my seat. So for people to just be like, "I don't like the message, and I don't like Obama, therefore I must have nothing to say of interest about this movie because I have to just not like it." It just annoys me. It's so cheap and dishonest. So anyway, we'll, we'll get into the plot summary. We're going to go through, through all that. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the political propaganda. All right, so this movie starts off with—I um, already forgot his name. I'm just going to call him Clay. Why can't I think of the actor's name now? All of a sudden, I'm wait—I'm <laughs> the, the guy who knows every Ethan, Ethan Hawk? Ethan Hawke, thank you. Okay,
1: he's like the only actor I know. Of the movie.
0: <laughs> starts off with with uh, Julia Roberts. Her character's name is Amanda. Waking up her husband Clay, who's played by Ethan Hawke. And she's like, "Hey, uh, I booked us a and We're gonna go, or not a B and yeah, Airbnb mm-hmm. uh, up in Long Island. We're gonna go there. I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to give me an excuse to say no. We're gonna get out of town." And he's just waking up to this news, like, oh, "Okay, I guess that's what we're doing." And then th- the very overt, overarching Obama messaging theme comes in right in this first scene, and I'm just gonna play it for you guys. So. Do it. Uh, this is this is literally two minutes into the film. That's all that's happened, and then he asks her, "Why are we leaving?" And this is this is what Julia Roberts has to say.
3: Well, when I couldn't fall back asleep this morning, I came over here to watch the sunrise, and I saw all these people starting their day with such tenacity, such verve, all in an effort to make something of themselves make something of our world. I felt so lucky to be a part of that. But then I remembered what the world is actually like. And I came to a more accurate realization. I fucking hate people.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> What's? I can just imagine Obama writing this line. Oh, I sit out here looking at the world and the people of America that I supposedly represent. And then I come to the actual realization that I hate all of you. You're a bunch of bitter clingers with your guns and your Bibles. Uh, go fuck yourself, America. Like that's that's Obama's like entire tone. Yeah. Of his it entire is. presidency, of his speeches. He, you can tell his vitriol for Americans. And this movie has the very leftist liberal elite in New York just spewing the vitriol for everyday Americans over and over and over again throughout the movie.
1: What stood out to me about that scene, too, is that she's a better actress than that. Like, yeah, yeah. Th- that monologue piece so intentionally just rips you out of any type of storyline. Or even like, it's like, I want to make sure you get this message before you actually get into the story. So it's going to be like terribly incongruous with, I
0: do the, mov- the movie has its times where it does the subtlety r- well. And then because of the hatred for normal Americans, they just smack you over the head with, with yeah. things. And we're we're going to show that, especially in this first part. We talk about the politics of it. So um, the very first, so th- from there, they're driving up to the, the place and then you get part one. It's a five-part film. And part one is called the house, and we got to talk about the house because the house is is everybody says it. it the house is a character in this film. Um, the house changes throughout the film. The house has its own personality. The camera, the way it moves through the house, the the cameras more the camera is literally more of a character than either of the children in this film. That's wild. <laughs> and we're gonna talk about the children in a bit, but the house is interesting because. What I think the house is kind of like in the movie Um Knives Out, I think the House is America in a lot of ways. And I said sort of, because there's not a, there's no diversity. Like really. Like there's mm-hmm. there's two black elite liberal elites and two white liberal elites, and then two children that don't mean anything. But I think it I yeah. think it is America through you know, through the eyes of the liberal elite, and it's also a representation of the sins of America. And you see this throughout the house because there is a lot of wall art symbolism. Some of it we'll talk about later, but a few that I got to point out is the whole history of slavery is put throughout the house. There's a room that, that the character Ruth goes into. We'll get into all the characters in a minute. And uh, she literally is sitting there getting weed out of a, out of a box and on the wall is like slave ships and, you know like S- civil war stuff and like the whole history of slavery in America in one room and it's just like super in your face but what's most interesting is that each couple that stays in this house is got a wall art above their or has a big painting above their bed and right? it says a lot about their character and their arc in the story gotcha and the first one is this painting this is in the honeymoon suite above where G.H. Scott and Ruth are sleeping. And I, again, I, don't, I shouldn't even have to say this at this point, but we're going to spoil the living crap out of this movie if you haven't seen it. So, uh, so this is uh, called, let me see, where is this? This is called The United States of Attica. This was painted in 1971 by the painter and activist Faith Ringgold. And this is a map of the United States in which are noted the indigenous slave and immigrant uprisings and other acts of violence that occurred within each state <laughs> since the 1700s. So it's a divided map of America with just lots of scrawl about how racist and evil and awful America is. And that is cool. like their whole characters thing. Right. Nice. Then above Clay and Amanda's bed, you have this painting of the ocean. But what I noticed, uh, I didn't catch this the first time, but I watched this a few times, is that the water level continually rises. And these are the two main political themes in this movie is racism and climate change. And yes, this does represent the tension in the film. As you can see on the top left, you can see it's like right at the head of the bed. Mm-hmm. And then by, you know, the third act, I think it's like most of the way up the wall. And then you can see just how giant the waves are in the bottom right corner mm-hmm. where it's just the whole wall is just a wave, right? Right. So it, I get that it represents the tension of the film, but it very clearly is a, is a metaphor for the rising sea levels and climate change. And this is made incredibly clear with one of the next things that happens in the movie. So they get to the house, right? Um, they go to the beach and they're sitting on the beach and they see an oil tanker, and the oil tanker's coming at them, and then little Greta Thunberg daughter <laughs> is like, Hey, is that oil tanker gonna stop? It's coming towards the beach. And all the adults that don't listen to little Greta Thunberg are like, It has to, right? Like the oil's not going to crash into the land and destroy the environment. That and we're not going to, it's not, the oil's not going to crash. It's like so overt, right? Is like, this couldn't happen. If we ignore the oil problem and the climate change problem, it'll go away. Like, that's what they're trying to say. And I'm not a climate, I think climate change is nonsense, but like eventually she's right. And they're like, holy crap, the tankers coming on the shore and they run away and the tanker just like plows into the beach. And the the tanker is interesting for the political messaging because did you catch the name of the oil barge?
1: It is the Corey or Anderson said over in the YouTube chat. Um, the ship that crashed on the beach has the name of a slave ship that grounded in South Carolina in the 1700s.
0: That is correct. It is the White Lion, and uh, I just looked this up on Wiki. It says the White Lion was an English privateer operating under the Dutch letter of marquee, which brought the first Africans to the English colony of Virginia in 1619. Nice. So this is both a reference to slavery, the 1619 project and climate change all in one super in your face symbol. Cool. Cool. Um, so next thing that happens in the movie is the the oil barge comes in. They're like, they basically say it lost connection with a satellite. It just, they they, they kind of just drive themselves at this point. It just, Beached itself, right? They just couldn't right. control it. Huh. And they go back to the house. They're gonna go to bed, and a knock comes at three in the morning. And this is where G.H. Scott and his daughter Ruth show up, and they they're like, "Hey, this is our house. There's a power outage in the city, and we thought it would be safer to come out here to the countryside to our nice home than to try to be in the city with a power outage and." traffic and we don't know what's going on is kind of the excuse they give
1: but they are so sus like everything about their demeanor is so sus
0: can i ask you what did you did you believe that they were the homeowners i didn't know what to uh, believe
1: i it was it was like all your alarm bells are going off but you don't know why
0: the movie is very clear in this part that if you don't believe that these random people who showed up at three in the morning actually own the home that you are racist yeah. and it does it does, right? And and that's how they portray Julia Roberts' character is she's racist because they're black and mm-hmm. she's like, Well, this couldn't be your house. And this this is where and she is a little bit racist in this scene, but like <laughs> but this is where the Obamas like really insert themselves into the movie here, right? But because to,
1: okay, to to be clear, this is like a multi million dollar
0: home. Yes. So
1: Anybody who just shows up in the middle of the night, I'd be like, this is your house. Doesn't matter what color. I'd be like, I agree, I'd have that but they, same, They're
0: trying to make you feel oh yeah, like if you to. don't trust these people that you're racist. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's very overt. And so where was I going with this? You these shouldn't the trust them. But, you shouldn't trust them probably. But if you don't, you're racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a rational person. Like, because that's the thing. She is being rational a bit. Exactly. Right. She's like, look, She's my you. kids are sleeping in this house. Right. I don't know you. You right. say you own the house. You showed up at three in the freaking you morning with a BS ID. story. You don't have your ID on you. Yeah, exactly. Like, all this stuff. Like, why would I want to sleep in the same house with you and my kids in the house? What I found weird is they didn't bring the kids into their bedroom even after they did let them sleep in the house. That was
1: wild. I would have. Yeah. I would have, but...
0: So yeah, one of the lines she literally says is this can't be their house. Uh aka the house representing America, this, a black man cannot run America. <sighs> he can't be. And and this is this is so overt in a few seconds, like a few scenes later, where she's like, "I don't how do I know this is their house? There is not a single wedding photo or baby picture on the wall anywhere with a minute." And I was like, "Yeah, Obama had a lot to do with that line." Like <laughs> People are saying I'm not who I say I am because my college records are sealed and there's no pictures of my marriage and there's or my wedding and there's no pictures of my children until they're like four years old. And, you know, like you mm-hmm. racists doesn't matter that my one student ID that's that's public record shows that I was a foreign exchange student. Like you racists mm-hmm. it's the Obama stuff, right? It's just like inserted right into it. So um, and then obviously you've got the scene, which is what everybody was freaking out about, which is. Dad, in this situation, we shouldn't dole out trust lightly, especially to white people. Mm. The Very overt, you know, racial messaging going on. There's another scene that gets into kind of some racial aspects with the panicked immigrant, right? So, like they they move into the house, they they see the, the, the there's power outages everywhere, the internet's down, there's emergency alerts, and then the TV just goes to fuzz. They can't get any information. They have no idea what's going on. They're just isolated in this house. So there's like kind of a COVID thing going on with it yeah. too. And it was written during COVID, which makes sense.
2: Yeah.
0: But um, Clay decides, I'm going to go get a newspaper to figure out what's going on. So I'm just going to drive into town. And on his way to town, he runs into this panicked Spanish-speaking woman in a field somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And this this is where I think a lot of the truth shines through unintentionally yeah uh there's a few scenes like this but basically clay is at this point very obviously a liberal feminist uh you can see that he's wearing a bikini kill t-shirt and bikini kills this like super punk rock feminist like down with the patriarchy punk rock band he's like look how hip and cool and feminist i am and he's kind of a cuck like he doesn't he just yeah. is. He's so effeminate. Oh. I mean, it's very uh, on purpose they made him that way. But there were is.
1: times when I was yelling at the screen, like, "Are you a man or not? Like, what is wrong with you?" Because yeah. he's just so apathetic.
0: He's so and, yeah. He's
1: oh, he's terrible.
0: And he's constantly trying to be like, "Look how liberal and look how feminist I am, and look how enlightened I am." And I'm just he's just a big pussy. Like let's just be mm-hmm. honest with what he is, right? So in this scene. This lady runs up to his car. She's pounding on it. She's like, I need your help. She, he doesn't speak Spanish, but like this is where the messaging is really honest for a second, because what you see in this is no matter how enlightened and how feminist and how racially di- equal equality right. and all the liberal things he believes in are when when push comes to shove. He's not a real man. He doesn't actually care about the immigrants. Mm-hmm. I, this is this is the part where I was like, yeah, the movie got this right. Like the liberals who are constantly like bringing all the yeah, I hear the car alarm. <laughs> you might have to shut your window.
1: It's sh- it's shut. It's a loud alarm. I don't. Oh, that
0: is a loud alarm. <laughs>
1: Yikes. Um, I'll just mute myself for. There we go.
0: Okay, went off. Okay, but yeah, no. Like honestly, like this is the scene where you go yes when it's convenient when they're in Texas. I love illegal immigration and mm. I love women except when I have to defend them because I'm right. kind of a pussy and I love illegal immigrants. Just don't ship them to Martha's Vineyard. You know what I mean? And it's very clear that that's what this is. And he just drives off. He's like, yeah, screw you. Bye. There's um, a human
1: aspect too, where like he cannot understand a thing she's saying and she is hysterical yes. leaning into his window, kind of aggressively demanding Help that right. he can't give her, doesn't know how to give her. Um, and just continuing to yell at him in Spanish, even though he's like, I don't understand you. I'm like, I would have driven away too, just because this person is not got their faculties about them and I don't.
0: Right. But again, the implication here is this is a oh, guy yeah. who is, you know, pro women and yeah. bringing all the illegals you want, let them work in the fields, just don't make me have to actually take care of them. Don't let me bring them into my house. Right? It's a very my human state.
1: response. From somebody sure. who uh, ostensibly would have just opened his door and let her in and come her. Because they her. wouldn't,
0: because that's the point, exactly. right? Is like they, they actually wouldn't in reality. We saw this when Ron DeSantis shipped 50 people to Martha's Vineyard and the whole world freaked out. Like, right. how could these people with million dollar mansions let 50 people stay there? Oh, no. The border towns are supposed to do that, right? <laughs> right. So, oh, oh, also in this scene, his radio is set to 1619 in case you didn't get that he was an enlightened you know, feminist. Right. Um, and then this is, where the movie, uh, this is where the movie gets into. So, yeah, I should explain what's going on because we're going to revisit this in a second. Right. So that happens. Basically, there's a drone. It drops a bunch of flyers, that say, Death to America in Arabic. Mm-hmm. Uh, GH goes and looks at another house, realizes that there's no help coming, right? And they, they go... We'll get into some of that stuff in a minute. But, like, right. basically, what they're realizing through the movie is... They can't leave. The highways are blocked. There's no one coming to help them.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: They are under attack. Right. And by the end of the movie, you realize that the son is sick and they're trying to get him help. And we'll come back to all these things in a minute. I'm just going through the political stuff. So I'm yes. just skipping over some things. Uh, and that the daughter's missing. Mm-hmm. So G.H. and Clay go off to, to get the son help. And Amanda and Ruth are wandering through the woods looking for her daughter. Mm-hmm. And they feel uh, they feel like they're going to give up and they start talking to each other and they kind of hash things out. Cause they've been really mean to each other, the whole movie, like really, really mean to each other. Cause Ruth is like, I hate white people. And mm-hmm. Amanda's like, I don't trust you cause you're black, but that's not really what it is, but that's how you're supposed to feel. Yeah. Um, and then we get to this scene that just is so unnecessary. <laughs> I'm just going to play. It. It's so True. unnecessarily over the top about climate change in, in a conversation that was not talking about climate change. Like, it does right. not belong. It's just ham-fisted political messaging. So here, here's that.
3: We fuck each other over all the time without even realizing it. We fuck every living thing on this planet over and think it'll be fine because we use paper straws and order the free-range chicken. And the sick thing is, I think deep down we know we're not fooling anyone. You're I not. think we know we're living a lie. An agreed-upon mass delusion to help us ignore and keep ignoring how awful we really are. I'm not down with most of the things that you do and say, but this is the part of the Venn diagram where we overlap.
0: So this is where they're 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 finally coming together, and understanding each other because she's like, diagrams. you know. As a bunch of uh, eco-friendly liberal elites, we think that drinking out of paper straws is saving the environment, and uh, we're not right. So, like, that's the message: is like we're not doing enough, mm-hmm. we're not doing enough. Um, and the things we are doing, we all know, are bullshit just to make ourselves feel better and pat ourselves on the back. Which is another one of those like honest, interesting moments. Yeah. Uh, so then, Gh and Clay find the prepper guy there's this prepper they ran into earlier in the movie played by kevin bacon we're going to come back to all this stuff but this is the scene where clay has to break down in front of this guy who's like look i have a shotgun and food and water and medicine and a home and i'm going to protect my family i don't know you you had some interesting stuff to say about this scene about what it says about like the liberal mindset yeah.
1: so when the when gh is talking to clay about the Prepper. It's mm-hmm. clear that he has absolutely no respect for the Prepper. He's basically a, a weird stranger that lives down the road. But when they when he gets to the Prepper's house, he starts pulling out this like, we're friends and I came here to check on you, but actually I want something. And Cause, how cause dare
0: Because Clay screws it up because he's like, oh dude, we're not here for anything. We're just making sure you're okay. And then Clay's like, actually my son needs drugs. <laughs> <laughs> like, We only came here to take from you. Uh, and we didn't think about checking on you two days ago when the shit hit the fan right yeah, yeah.
1: but GH has this attitude of like if you don't give me what I came here for mm-hmm. um, you' you're you're a bad person
3: yeah
1: uh, and and I in fact i I don't mind pulling my gun out you know because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the whole climax was they they're both
0: pointing, pointing guns, guns, at, guns each at each other. other. This is also the most tense scene of the movie and the one of the best scenes in the movie because Clay is the the only heroic character in the whole movie for just a brief second. And cuz no one's heroic in this movie at all. There's no good people. The only good person in all honesty, in reality, in truth is the prepper. Yeah. But they have we'll talk about that more in a second. They have to make him the bad guy. In fact, if you read any article on this movie, it will say the only villain in the film is the prepper. <laughs> How? How? Anyway, so Clay becomes the only heroic character for a moment. And he says, quote, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do right now. I can barely do anything without my cell phone and my GPS. I'm a useless man. And he comes to the realization that the only thing he can do for his son is put a, is let someone point a gun at his face and beg for mercy.
1: Yeah. And that's all was, he can do. It was so cathartic because this yeah. whole movie I've been like, they're in this terrible crisis. <laughs> and he's just... Not, not just not fulfilling his role as a man, but basically another child in the situation. Right. And, and I've been yelling this whole movie at him. And then he, he's like getting there. He's like, I'm a useless man. I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> Thank
0: you. And this is where the movie then go, continue, goes to piss me right off because <laughs> there's this cathartic moment. Like you said, Yeah. The, the dad, the prepper, he's like, you know what? This guy's begging for his son's life. I have kids. I understand there's empathy here. Yeah and gh you know whatever it feels like the three of them should be like all right things are tense let's calm down let's Mm -hmm. actually care for each other let's be americans together and instead they just basically give the prepper the middle finger (laughs) and they have this line where he says something where the prepper sounds really stupid and that's where it leaves him as being this idiot right again no one else is prepared for what is literally happening the guy who thought ahead and protected his family is the bad guy and the the idiot Think about who that.
1: helps them when he doesn't have to? I know,
0: I know. They have to make him the bad guy and the idiot. I'm like, he's the only intelligent person. So anyway, so what then? It goes on to do is to say, well, hey, there's some rich people down the road. They built a bunker. You can go take theirs.
1: So, oh yeah, and he gives them information about the bunker down the road too. He gives them tons of information.
0: He doesn't. He could have go raided yeah. that bunker himself, but he was. Yeah. But again, he's the bad guy, and this is where my annoyance really came in. Where it's like, the only good people are the rich people who can afford uh, doomsday shelters, right? But the guy who stacks water and ramen noodles in his house and has a shotgun is the bad guy because he's blue-collar. That's what yeah. it's it literally. He's, yeah, he's a contractor. He's blue-collar.
1: He's a contractor who built all these rich people's houses. Yeah. Which is why he knows to stock up because he's building all these bunkers for all these rich people. And then he's like... Who are stocking <laughs> up. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. flies an American flag from his porch. He, so he's reads definitely the, he actually the knows guy. what's going on yeah. in the
0: news. He's paying attention. He's intelligent, but he's the bad guy and the idiot because um, you can just feel the the vitriol from the Obamas and the yeah. Sam Esmail. He says that it? he casted. Yeah. He says that he cast Kevin Bacon because if he would have cast anybody else, this character would have come off as as um, redneck and stupid. I'm like, you made him really redneck and stupid. I'm, like you could tell even in the interviews like I didn't want to make this character likable we cast Kevin Bacon. That's as good as we'll get
1: his best line. Cause, cause there's so many parts where they're trying to ham fist this political message. And then like mm-hmm. the truth of the story shines through. Cause it, it is a good story like underneath that first level. Yeah, and you can't,
0: yeah. And you can't make a story good without telling truth. So like, telling the when, truth. It, when the story's good is when it's being honest.
1: So his, his Kevin Bacon's best line is where he's like, do you guys ever read the newspaper past the first page? Russia pulled their ambassadors two weeks ago.
0: It's like, I knew this was coming because I actually pay attention. <laughs> I,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, it, 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 yeah. Anyway, <sighs> uh, the last thing I want to say about the political and we will get into the conspiracy stuff—is um, that it ends with the kids. Uh, the kids are just not all right. Is what I put in my notes. Right, like they're barely characters in this film. When they talk, they either talk like adults. Or like toddlers. It's really like Mm. the worst writing in the film is for the kids because they're not real people. They're creepy. They're super creepy. I
2: think. But either they're swearing
0: like adults and talking like adults Mm -hmm. or the 16-year-old son who's in a crisis situation decides he's going to lay in bed and suck on his thumb almost quite literally at 8 p.m. and just lay there and be useless. I'm like, you're 16. Like you, you, you think you'd kick into like I'm, you know, screw you, old man. My old dad's a right. wuss. So I'm gonna take charge and be a man and tr- prove this is my chance to grow up and be, move into adult and be a man. Instead, he just lays in bed for the almost the entirety of the movie, sucking They're, on his thumb. They
1: barely exist, and it feels like it's 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 a choice to increase the tension. Like both kids are yeah. just like creepy looking in general, kind of pasty yeah. and 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 weird with the facial expressions, but. Yeah, they're barely they, there. They
0: exist for motifs. And that's, yeah. and that's the only thing I want to bring up about them is the daughter is the COVID lockdown syndrome. She mm. was eight, nine years old during COVID lockdown. She still stares at a tablet all the time, watches TV, doesn't go outside. Right. And the son is the other version of that. And he just watches porn like constantly. And it makes references to it quite a bit right. that he just, he cannot figure out what to do with himself right. the moment he doesn't have porn. And that's that's who yeah. the characters, the kids are just representing this is what we've this is who we've raised is we raise kids who are worthless if they don't have a tablet Um, so that's kind of an interesting message there let's move on we're going to go through this from the beginning again but talk about a different section we're gonna go one level deeper with the revelation of the method. All right. I took a lot of notes on this part and I'll bring up a few quickly. If you have anything to say, you can say something. If not, I'll probably move past yeah. them. Cause the first time I watched this movie, all I did was like, that could be something that could be something that could be something. Like I, I <laughs> thought I was catching a lot of references. Some of them panned out. Some of them didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the stuff I wrote down in the, the my first watch through was like the right after the credits roll, she says, we're going to long Island to stay at a Hamlet. And I'm like, well, I know that people are talking about this for conspiracy reasons. So mm. is this a reference to Montauk? Because Montauk is in Rhode Island, and it is in a a town that's known as a hamlet. A hamlet is a town so small it doesn't have a church, right? Like, Mm -hmm. really tiny. Apparently, there's like 173 hamlets in Long Island. So, like, it might not actually be a reference to to Montauk, but they do kind of reference, like, military bases and underground stuff quite a bit throughout. So, I feel like there's maybe some revelation of the method and references to it. It
1: feels pretty. There's a bunch of things that made me think, yeah, they're definitely winking at Montauk.
0: I think it was a wink and a nod, but I don't think it was like important to the story. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There was a couple of things that seemed to reference 9-11. One of them just being the Jenga tower that they're playing with. Yeah. Um, Which, again, that could also be a representation of economic collapse. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find this, so I'll just bring it up here. Someone said that one of the numbers on one of the Teslas was like, the time that the twin towers hit, there's a, there was like a couple of like of really loose maybe references to 11, but they seem to be everywhere. So I, I always just bring them up when I think I see them. But let's talk about the Tesla cars. So one of the craziest parts in the movie is they decide screw this black family in their nice home. We're going to drive to Jersey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and go through New York City. And uh, once they get on the highway, they realize there's like this line of white Tesla cars, like as far as the eye can see. Mm. And she walks up to them and sees Amanda walks up to them and sees that they're all have the dealer plates and the dealer like stickers Mm -hmm. like and she's like these are fresh off the lot and they're all crashed into each other. And then she looks closer and sees that it says fully self-driving car Mm. and obviously the the text going haywire and she looks down the road and sees another white Tesla coming. And she puts it together. I need to get our car off the road before it slams into us. So that's what's happening is somebody hijacked all of the Tesla cars, and they're just driving into this one area, and just continually like smashing into each other, right? right. Um, this one is interesting, talking about revelation of the method, because there's this article that came out today. This is wild. <laughs> I think, it's a, I think the article came out a few days ago, but this particular one came out today. It says Tesla recalls 120,000 vehicles over doors that could unlock in a crash. The headline is actually not very good because if you just scroll down a little bit, it says something way worse. It says last week, Tesla recalled 2.03 million no of its yet. vehicles. 203 is kind of an occult number. It's, mm. again, it's one of those weird ones. Like, why did you just run it? to Two million. Uh, vehicles of its or million of its vehicles on U.S. roads. uh, It's largest action in the country to replace or fix a defective product. The recall was to install new safeguards in its autopilot advanced driver assistance system. Mm. So literally within weeks of this movie coming out, Tesla has a 2 million car recall for the self-driving capabilities. It's not
1: concerning at all.
0: And then this happened two hours before we started streaming. This article came out. Robot attacked Tesla engineer at Texas factory. A a Tesla engineer was allegedly attacked by a robot at a factory near Austin, according to media reports. The 2021 injury report... So I guess it didn't just happen, but this just came out, right? Uh, The 2021 injury report claims that the robot, which was designed to move aluminum car parts, dug its metal claws in the engineer's back and arm, leaving a trail of blood. According to witnesses who spoke with the information in a story published last month, the Daily Mail also reported... On the incident, and then down here it also says, Tesla recalls cars to fix its autopilot." So these are things that are coming out directly after this movie comes out. It's pretty, wow. pretty crazy. Um, talking about self-driving cars, there was the whole scene where not only the Tesla's crashing into each other, but someone has programmed the planes to crash into the beach, and they're just crashing into the so same IP. beach over and over and over again. And this is interesting. This this is revelation of the method because we were told repeatedly that they can't do this, that yes, planes have self autopilot and are controlled by computers. But no one could no one ever hack into a plane for something like 9-11 or something like MH370, even though MH370 was like when they first started putting those on planes, um, so I just find it funny that like, he calls the Obama, he calls Obama and he's like, Hey, I'm putting this in my movie. Would it actually happen? And Obama's like, yeah, that could literally happen. Oh and he puts it in the movie and it's the thing that the, the, the liberal or that the, the, the government has been trying to tell us could not happen.
2: That's why like we're going
0: to be okay from Obama saying like, no, that actually literally can. I yeah, just don't want people to know <laughs> that like planes can literally be remote control flown um, by hackers. <clears throat> Cause of course they can, right? Of course they can. Yeah. A, I almost didn't include this, but I'll bring this up really quick because we had a few things in this movie that when you and me talked about it, we're like there's lines in this movie where they feel important, but they go nowhere. There's like five lines in this movie that are just like really random, but they're said with gravitas in a yeah. way that's like, why? And one they're, of them you and me talked about was one yeah. where he's like, your mom was flying from Brazil or somewhere to New York and this is after the planes are crashing. The daughter's like, is my mom dead? And he's like, her pr- plane probably landed in Ohio. I'm like, why? Why Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> like I was trying to figure that out. Apparently one of the early conspiracy theories around 9-11 that was in the loose change documentary. I forgot about this. Was that the plane that was supposedly crashed into the Pentagon or the Pence was actually landed in Ohio mm. and hidden away there. And it was a cruise missile that hit. The Pentagon. So maybe Ohio's a reference to that. Real. But yeah, it could also just be the house not real. <laughs> <laughs> this this next thing I want to get to is like the crux of the film. So there's this whole scene. We gotta talk about this whole scene for a minute. Yeah. This whole scene where Amanda and GH are sitting at a table talking, and Ruth and Claire are outside talking. There's a lot of weird things that happen. But the biggest, like, other than uh, obviously the the conservative people that are talking about the scene where she's like, we can't trust white people. Um, the conspiracy theorists are talking about this scene. And I'll set this up a little bit because I want to play all of it. But I'm, it's going to be a little bit of a long clip. So they're talking about, you know, like, it, it kind of gets into this thing about who controls the world. And it starts off with GH saying, I thought I was sophisticated. Now I wonder if what I thought about myself was a delusion. And Amanda says if you dig deep enough, it's all a delusion. Hmm. And I thought that was very interesting because of where the conversation goes next, because the messaging here kind of, it's weird. It's weird. We're going to play it and talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of dissect this scene, but like I had to set it up. She, she starts off the scene by saying everything is a delusion. The deeper you go, the more you realize it's a delusion. It's all imaginary numbers and everything's fake and the news is fake and it's all fake. And we're just being lied to all the time. And then <coughs> she asks him, why did you really come here? I know you lied. Like I knew you were lying when you, you had right. some advanced warning about what was going on. You came to this house because you knew the attacks were going to happen. How? And that's where, uh, that's where we get this scene. So I think I set it up.
4: Why I came here involved something that happened to me a few years back. One of my clients invited me and my wife to a private event. My client, he, um, well, I won't say his name, but you'd recognize it, though.
3: As he a celebrity?
4: No, oh, no, nothing like that. But in the business world, he's one of the biggest out there. He deals mostly in defense contracting. I'm talking hush-hush, top-secret money from the Pentagon. Perhaps the most powerful person I've ever had a meal with. Anyway, we're at this soiree at his house. It's getting late. My wife, she wants to go. But he and I are just having a blast, and he doesn't want the night to end. After a few more glares, my wife agrees to take a cab, and I'll come home after.
3: Mm -hmm. I bet she was real happy about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
4: So we're having a few more drinks, getting really sauced, and at one point, I, I don't think he could stand, and I was pretty wobbly myself.
3: I wouldn't know anything about that,
4: sir. <laughs> so, he takes me to...
0: I can see your face, because... <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that part later. But there's a lot of awkward sexual tension. Oh, my word. It's... But I'm, I want to save that for the occult, mess- the occult symbolism part, because there's it ties into that more. So, put a pin in that, guys.
4: It was study, smoke a few cigars, and we're sort of flying high, laughing at almost every. Eventually, he starts in how much he likes me and how he wishes he could invite me on this trip he's about to go on.
3: What what, what kind of trip? Where is he going?
4: That's exactly what I asked. Then he turns to me with a serious face. And he says, Oh, you know, just my annual meeting with the rest of the evil cabal that runs the world. (laughs) (laughs) he was the kind of guy that was always known for jokes like that
0: so i'm going to pause here for a quick second that's the line that people are bringing up so there's Mm. two ways to look at this and he'll explain it further and we're going to talk about it but like there's the people who just cut that clip out of context where he says i went to the secret meeting with the evil cabal that runs the world and other people like it's obviously a joke blah 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 is it though we'll get into it again i told you his name yeah yeah
1: I'm hearing reports that while we are still streaming to Rumble, for whatever reason, the Rumble chat is just completely broken. You can't con- you can't chat over there, so some of our chatters are heading over to YouTube to chat, uh, and that's completely fine. Just wanted to say that.
0: All right, cool. All right, yeah. Sorry, you know, Rumble's doing a lot of updates right now. Uh, I'm sure you guys have noticed some cool stuff that's going on, but it's always you know growing pains and stuff like that. So yeah. we'll try to make sure we keep an eye on the YouTube comments as well, and uh, if we have to, we'll keep YouTube up full time. This move, this this particular podcast. Most likely he's getting taken off of YouTube probably. after we're done streaming. So
1: probably understand.
0: Well,
3: I just have to take your word for it. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to pop off my mic. And
4: then, yesterday before the symphony, my friend calls me up. No scheduled appointment like he usually does just calls me out of the blue. He wants me to move around some of his money. And we're talking some big numbers, even for him. And as we're getting off the phone, I asked if he wanted to grab a drink. He tells me he's going away for a while. I joke back to him. Well, yeah. You hanging with your evil cabal this weekend? Thought that was only during the winter solstice. (laughs) Then he doesn't laugh. And he always laughs, even with bad jokes. all he said was, take care of yourself. Almost as if he felt sorry for me. Ever since, I haven't been able to get it out of my head.
3: Are you saying, are you thinking that your friend is somehow
4: behind what's
3: happening here?
4: No, nothing like that. Conspiracy theory about a shadowy group of people and in the world is far too lazy of an explanation. Especially when the truth is much scarier.
3: What is the truth?
4: No one is in control. No, oh, sorry. No one is pulling the strings. Sure, there are those like my friend who might have the right kind of access to the right kind of information. But when events like this happen in the world. Best, even the most powerful people can hope for As a heads up.
0: So, yeah, a lot is said there. I want to go through this, kind of break it down. So what's your what's your initial thoughts on this scene?
1: This scene hit, hits me on two levels, right? Yeah. Because I think the, the way I read it first, because I'm deep in the story at this point, right? I'm feeling everything. And, and, and one thing I think that's probably not coming through is how visceral and really well done the tension is. Is. Yes. Like yeah, it yeah. really taps into something true and deep in you, like this deep fear that some apocalypse thing is coming, something's not right, something's gonna spin out of control.
0: The movie very intentionally leaves you in the dark from beginning to end mm. to build that tension. Yeah. It's
1: very good. They they do it very well. Yep. Um and Liz could probably speak to this a little bit because she watched it with me um when I watched it the other night. But when he says as an elite, like you're reading him as this rich elite and he's right. like, it, it would be nice to think that someone was in control, but no one's in control. I first read that as like, oh, this fear is a fear that the elites share, that they recognize that God's coming with all this judgment and the world's going to fall apart and they are not in control. But, They're not
0: as in control as I think they are, yeah.
1: But it also works on another level that you pointed out.
0: Yes, <laughs> that's what I want to talk about. So, yeah, this is, man. So people are pointing at it two different ways. They're saying, look, he said the thing, it's it's predictive programming. This The thing you would say if you were an elite cabal running the world is, no, we're not really running the world. Because it does that. It actually kind of makes you question. He, he goes, the guy's joking. He doesn't really go to his evil cabal thing. But then when I asked him about the winter solstice, he's kind of like, Serious, and he's like, yeah. I do know things are coming. I'm leaving. Good luck. And man, okay, so what can I we, think can yeah, we acknowledge?
1: Ahead. Sorry, can we acknowledge that we have been putting together this like elite cabal witchcraft thing together? But like, yep. they said it right out loud that not only is the elite cabal like meeting and being evil, but they are doing
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, stuff the, the occult symbolism part of this episode, <laughs> mm. yes. There's a lot of winter solstice talk in this movie. Um, But yeah, no, what I think it is, is I think that first, let me read you a quote from David Rockefeller. Okay. So this comes from his memoir and he said, quote, some believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. There's a very famous David Rockefeller quote. And the movie to me is like, look, Obama is a high level player. He is in the elite. He's not the head of it, but he's he knows things. He's connected. He's part of this. Right. And I feel like the the messaging here that people are focusing on is is there an elite cabal that runs the world? Are they saying there's not quite really an elite cabal that runs the world? We just we just are rich and privileged and deserves to know some things that you pe- peasants don't deserve to know. Like that's the tension back and forth. What I think it is is I think this this is like psyop of like the scariest thing in the movie according to Obama, which is G H Scott that he's Obama right? He's the stand in for Obama in his estimation, the scariest possibility is that the elites are not pulling all of the strings that they're not as in control. And, and, and what I think the movie is saying essentially is you're worried about our elite cabal doing witchcraft at Bohemian Grove, but wouldn't it be worse if we didn't have control, (laughs) if we weren't pulling every string, because if we're not, who's going to like the whole thing's going to fall apart without us. That is what Mm. I think they're really pushing down on people. I think the messaging is, Tongue in cheek, we are pretty well connected. We do run the world. Yes, we're not fully in control the way that people think we are, but wouldn't it be worse if we weren't? And maybe you should give us more control. Maybe you should, maybe if you did Agenda 2030, this future that we're showing in this movie wouldn't happen. I literally think that's what the whole movie boils down to, is them saying, we don't have as much control as you think we do, but it'd be better if we did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I and really I think, think that that's what it's some saying. of it is like a very honest. We're terrified that we don't have more control.
0: I think they are. I really think yeah. they are. Yeah. And, both, and, and like I said, be my, true. my, my theory on everything is that they aren't as in control as they think they're because they're all being, they're puppets to fallen angels and demons. Like that's what they are. And I think a lot of them realize that they're puppets. I think Obama's a puppet to someone. You know what I mean? <laughs> I son says, I can hear PJ.
1: Anyone else having issues? I can hear him too. <laughs> it's not just you
0: I love you guys you guys are the worst worst freaking audience I wish I don't have my censor button worst audience that we've ever put together Uh, I'm going to censor
1: myself whenever I say something nice about PJ PJ's actually
0: that was right here Uh, (laughs) All right, all right, all right. All right! Get so, back on track. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so after this, uh, we, we talked about how the kid gets sick, but we didn't talk about how because this, is, this delves into the conspiracy stuff. So the son wakes up, I think, the morning after this, and his teeth are falling out of his face, right? Okay, can I say about this? Yeah, let's talk about it. First
1: of all, everyone, I think... Everyone has had a teeth falling out dream, at mm-hmm. least like I I know I've had a lot. There's like a point now where sometimes if my teeth start coming out in my dream, I can co- I can go lucid. I can be like, oh, my teeth are falling out. This is a dream because <laughs> right. it's so pretty because um, they never fall out in real life. So weird. Um, <laughs> so it's such a part of Virginia. So on the one hand, <laughs> yeah, I'm not from that. not not that part of West Virginia, but you had warned me. Going, yeah. in, going into it that someone's teeth was were going to fall out and Liz had also um, looked that piece up of like she looked up like what you should be worried about or what you, she just wanted to have Not heads up like to. Not be like
0: grossed out by something. Yeah, yeah,
1: And I couldn't decide whether it was better or worse that I knew it was coming because oh, on okay. some level I was like I'm just waiting for the part where their teeth
0: <laughs> I told you you're going to know it before it happens. It'll be obvious that it's coming but yeah. Yeah, he spits blood up and then he starts pulling his teeth out, right? Oh, it's and so gross. previously to this, he's in the woods and gets a tick bite and it's camera zooms up on it, it's very much like he got a tick bite. You need yeah. to know that he got a tick bite. Um there's also been throughout the movie this sound that starts showing up mm. that makes p- like it's this piercing sound breaks glass, everybody's covering their ears and the kid says in one scene My head hurts really bad from that sound. I don't think I covered my ears fast enough, and nobody else is complaining the way that he is, but he's also a little bitch in the whole freaking movie, so... Uh, He's not a man in any way. So anyway, um, just like his dad. So what I instantly wrote down in my notes was MK Naomi, the, right? This is, and we have an episode of this series so going we go back and watch, but this is where they created Lyme disease. Like they created a lot of diseases, but one of the things that MK Naomi created was Lyme disease. Is yes. this a reference to it? And in fact, they bring up Lyme disease at one point. So it felt like a, you know, a, a, a nod at like what the elites are up to. And then very uh, overtly at the end of the movie, Kevin Bacon hears about what the kid is going through. Obviously he's given a medicine and he says, mm. um, Quote, it's not that dissimilar to what happened in Cuba a while back. Microwave weapons, they call it, produces a kind of radiation that can be beamed throughout through sound. Some people have lost their teeth there, too. And I did look into this and this there's leaked CIA documents about like the Vanna syndrome that have come up. Nobody's really talking much about where they've got like these theories that it's mind control and it's making people's teeth fall out and them getting sick and radiation. And because it is a it's a direct energy weapon is what it is. Right. Yeah. And we're going to come back to the direct energy weapon stuff, but I just want to put that out there. Like those two things are there and it's never answered. Does he have a Is this Havana syndrome? Is this the same weapons that are using as direct energy weapons, radiation through mm-hmm. sound? Or is this like an MK Naomi tick bite situation? Right. They release ticks with like this new, like worse version of Lyme disease where people's teeth are falling out. We only, don't know. Yeah.
1: The only answer you get is that the guy who says it's from Havana syndrome gives him a pill. That presumably he's an
0: anti-rads. Okay, well, then I got to bring up one more thing. The very end of the movie, when she, the little girl's in the bunker,
1: mm-hmm. one of
0: the screens says increased radiation levels around cities. Right. It doesn't say where it comes from. Right. But we do know that, that there is increased radiation level, and he's getting what seems like radiation sickness. What I imagine Kevin Bacon gave him was some anti radiation
1: That's what I thought, too. Yeah.
0: It has to be, because even, even if it is a Havana syndrome, he's saying it's a type of radiation through sound. Right. right, so
1: which is fascinating,
0: but we also don't know if it works, right? Because we never, we never find out if the anti-rads work for him, if it was some type of weird tick disease. Because the that's, movie doesn't tell us. Yeah, they,
1: yeah, that's because it it ends pretty quickly. Yeah,
0: wow. All right, so I said earlier the Bombas are going to do a, a, a UFO movie next. This I've I've literally heard nobody talk about this. I, I might be a stretch here. I want you to watch this and just tell me because I wrote okay. this on my notes and I was like, why Why did I write crop circle in my notes? I don't remember there being a crop circle. So I went Ooh. back and looked, and I was like. It does look like a freaking crop circle in this scene. T- tell me if I'm crazy. It's it, it's the way that it trans I'm just going to mute it for this part. It's the way that it transitions, but you'll see it here in a second. When it transitions, it all of a sudden looks like a freaking It does. Crop circle.
1: It is it a crop c- circle. I mean, it is a Fibonacci spiral. Yeah. That's well, what that is. But I I couldn't tell if it was actually on the ground or if it was superimposed to make you feel like
0: you can see the rest of the transition. It's what it is. I watched it enough times to catch it. Mm-hmm. The The transition is a spiral transition it's, with a fade yeah. transition over top of it. Yeah. So it could be very unintentional. It's artsy, whatever. I don't know. I'm just trying to throw everything out there to, to just you guys can take what we do here and discuss and dig and whatever. And I hope you guys do. I hope you guys find mm. more stuff that we didn't find and we can have those conversations over on discord or on Twitter or whatever. But like I saw it stuck out to me. I thought I'd bring it up um one of the next things that gets talked about is we talked about the pamphlets that are getting dropped down when they meet kevin bacon's character they're like hey these pamphlets uh say death to america and he's like well i have a friend in california before the wire you know before everything went out he said that they were dropping pamphlets in chinese or possibly korean right um so false flag <laughs> operations were were definitely in there
1: well it says it was either bad editing or a message <laughs> just one or the other, right?
0: <laughs>
4: yeah, Tickle me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's one or the other. And I don't know. Like Most of the things in the movie, I would argue, are very, very, very intentional. That's the one where I'm like, he could have just been trying to be artsy in the transition and it looked like a freaking crop circle. I don't know. Uh, I'm not convinced that it is. Um, but uh, either way, yeah, they start talking about false flags. And then that's where we get into the kind of final, um, tense moment of the movie that people are talking about. And that's where he describes... This is the predictive programming of the three-stage attack that people think the elites are warning us. Because again, mm. predictive programming is, people will say it's karmic retribution and the things that the Freemasons believe. In, and mm-hmm. I found the, the sources of where that comes from. And it's probably true to some degree. But what I think a lot of it actually is, is if you have seen something in a movie and then it happens in real life, you're not freaked out. You're it's, going to go along. It hits you way less
1: hard. It feels it, normal. They yeah.
0: want to normalize what they're going to do so people don't lose their freaking minds. And I think that's what this is. And I think that that would be the the predictive programming answer to why they describe exactly what a lot of people think is coming. So here's, here's that
4: scene. What's going on? Before we go, I need to know that you're on a level with me.
0: All right, I was going to save this for the part where we get into the symbolism, which is coming up very shortly, but I'm just going to bring this one up early because we're playing the scene. Mm -hmm. I need to know that you're on the level with me is a Freemason term to say I need to know that you're also a Freemason. That is literally the origins of that
1: okay because yeah that turn of phrase does not work that's no not normal. no it's a
0: weird turn of phrase I need to know you're on the level with me is I need to know that you're also a Freemason before I divulge this information that is literally the origins of that phrase so there's a little bit of the uh, the hidden symbolism we'll get into that next but let's watch this scene
4: no matter how far this thing goes I need to know that we're good because of what just happened here is happening everywhere We need to get to that bunker Danny told us about and we need to get there now. What are you talking about? You know something. I had a sneaking suspicion, but I wanted more information first. All the signs were there, sure, but I I didn't want to scare anyone. You'd have called me crazy because it is crazy would have made more sense if we were on the brink of an all-out invasion. But this... I didn't think we'd actually let something like this happen. I thought we were smarter than that. Let what happen? Because my primary client works in the defense sector, I spent a lot of time studying the cost-benefit analysis of military campaigns. There was one program in particular that terrified my client the most. A simple, three-stage maneuver that could topple a country's government from within. The first stage was isolation. Disable their communication and transportation. Make the target as deaf, dumb, and paralyzed as possible. Setting them up for the second stage. Synchronize chaos. Terrorize them with covert attacks and misinformation. Overwhelming their defense capabilities, leaving their weapon systems vulnerable to extremists in their own military. Without a clear enemy or motive, people would start turning on each other. If done successfully, the third stage would happen on its own. What's the third stage?
1: imagine january 6th
0: january 6th will happen
1: <laughs> no okay this is where pg and i disagreed about about the movie because okay. i thought the implication of this and some of the way that kevin bacon's character was kind of smirking as he was talking about what was going they on they might as
0: well put a MAGA hat on him i agree with you there
1: i well i also thought that they were implying that kevin bacon's character. Is part of the group of the people who were doing this. Oh no, the, I don't they think did that. the coup, and I know you don't think that. I wanted to throw it out there because that's that's kind of that's how I took it.
0: I think what they're saying is Kevin Bacon's character and his type will be the people to do the coup d'état. Oh, they're, okay. They're, they're useful idiots in that they're they're not the one initiating the attack, shutting down the defense sure. system because um, they wouldn't give that much credit to a bunch of uh, yeah. That's yeah. that's that's true. So at least not overtly. No, right. <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's the main conspiracy stuff um, with this whole thing. Right. Uh, I got a couple. Of, I was going to say this but Let's just play him now. Then we'll get into the, the political messaging or the uh, occult symbolism in this movie, which is where it gets really, really interesting, in my opinion. Um, there have been things that have come out since this movie came out. Uh, one of them is this article here China's cyber army is invading critical US services. So, the whole point of the movie being that China or Iran or, or someone. North Korea could do this to us. And then it says right here a utility in Hawaii, a West Coast port, and a pipeline are among victims in the past year. Officials say this came out December 11th. This came out three days. This is from the Washington Post. This came out three days after this movie came out. So, it's not that the information is exactly new which makes it worse because then it seems timed with the movie to be like, we're going to scare the shit out of you. And now we're going to tell you that everything in that movie is real and mm-hmm. you need to be afraid. And again, what's the implication there? We're not pulling the strings hard enough. We need to yeah. have more string we control. More we need more power, right? Give us more strings. But that's what it is. That's if you read the articles, you're like America doesn't have enough uh, capability to defend itself. You know, maybe we had this huge giant global government. We could you know mm. deal with this. Just eat the bugs guys. Um, but yeah, it just feels very intentional. And then if that didn't feel intentional and, and, and uh, set there to scare you enough, this actually came out today. I'm so glad we did the episode today. I know because so much of this stuff I'm talking about came out today, which is I want to
1: say, cause PJ, you mentioned it. The I've been, you, I got you, so
0: sick. I put this yeah. episode off for three weeks and I was getting frustrated. I almost didn't do it.
1: I had a feeling. Cause like you were going to do it for a real conspiracies episode. It wasn't going to be a whole full it was gonna be like 20 episode. minutes. Yeah. yeah. I'm so and, glad and, we didn't. It, you kept getting stalled out by things you couldn't control. And I was like, yeah. I have a feeling something's, something's big about this.
0: Yeah. So this article came out today. Uh, this is from CBS. Uh, and on Face the Nation, they predicted a, a uh, black hat attack. What do they call it? Um, well, let's just play the clip.
1: Well, mine's a little dark. I just feel a lot of concern that 2024 may be the year of a black swan event. This is a national security event with high impact that's very hard to predict. Um, there are a number of cons, uh, concerns that I have that factor into that. And not only this uh, sort of enduring heightened threat level that we're facing, uh, the wars in Israel, also Ukraine. And we're so divided in this country in ways that we haven't seen before. And I think that just creates fertile ground for our adversaries like North Korea, China and Iran. And that
0: Catch that? We're divided in this country, which is North the whole Korea. point of the movie to divide us on race. The movie is China, pushing a racial and division. And then it names the three countries that this movie names. This the, movie that everybody's talking yeah, about, everybody's the, the seen at this point. Three right? yeah. The exact same three countries the movie pu- puts out. She says, By the way, guys, I believe we're going to have a Black Swan event next year, and it's going to work <laughs> on America because we're divided. And this movie helping that division along by pushing more racial hatred towards each other. And then it's probably going to come from North Korea, Iran, or China. Like my point is, I feel like they're coordinating the news with the movie, with the timing of the movie.
1: Uh, Yeah. So you're not surprised when, when Iran turns out to be, a really big deal in two
0: seconds. It was only, this movie's the first time, not the first time, I pay a lot of attention to this stuff, but like, it was the first time I started hearing people say after watching the movie, like, I didn't realize that Iran had such great Cyber capabilities because the movie says it openly. It's like, oh, a lot of people yeah. don't know this, but Iran's got some pretty good cyber capabilities. Like,
1: what a, wait,
0: what? They're pushing that all of a sudden. Like, I'm supposed to. Think, i most people have thought of these people as like, you know, uh, goat herders, and now they're like, they've got. The, the movie told me that they have cyber capabilities. NBC told me that they're going to do a cyber attack. I don't know if I believe that, but that's the message they want you to believe, right? And they're timing what's happening in the news with what's happening in this predictive programming in this movie. Um. And that's all like, dude, we haven't even got to the deep stuff. So let's let's dive deep and look at the occult uh, symbolism of Leave the World Behind. All right. So the occult symbolism starts before the movie starts. Yes. It quite literally starts with the poster for the movie. Uh, I think I have these out of order. I meant to show that earlier. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, with this, this poster, people have pointed out that right in line, you see the name ball. Ball, It says, it says,
1: I am ball.
0: Yes. Right right on the poster. And of course they weren't highlighted that way, but that's how people were picking it out. It seemed pretty intentional the way they lined up the names. Right. Mm. So that's, that's the first thing. But if you think that's a bit of a stretch, this next one. This next one's so overt. It's it's kind of it's kind of creepy. Um I put these out of order my guys. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, he just fired. God. I did. We'll come back to that one. Well, okay. So there's an Illuminati eye in the uh opening credits. Okay. There's also the Illuminati eyes are on the wall art that you see repeated throughout the movie. The very first scene where they open the door of the house, the first piece of art you see is is these eyes, right? So you get the eye symbolism. And we're going we're gonna to watch through the opening credits here in just a minute. Um, but this is the very opening scene of the movie. The very first thing you see is Clay laying in bed with three things on his dressers. Mm. And they all spell out 666. And I'm just going to tell you, somebody who's worked in film, you do not... Put it's not things, an
2: accident. Yeah. There's
0: no way it's an accident. Let's zoom up on this and I'll show you how this is not an accident. You got a 76 mug where the seven is barely visible. The six stands out in bright white next mm-hmm. to a clock that's pointing at six. And then for some reason, there's a digital clock on the other side of the bed that is completely covered up except for the six. You have literally six, 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 six. Uh, in the very opening <sighs> shot of the film. I've done staging for, for shoots, for movies. We talked about this on our Balenciaga episode. If you've never worked in film or if you're not a film buff, if you didn't listen to what Sam Esmail himself said where every single piece of everything they put in this movie, every prop, every T-shirt, every color painted on every wall down to the paintings and how they change, that's intentional. You cannot convince me otherwise because there's no one that just randomly throws things on dressers and goes yeah that works for a scene exactly the opening shot of a movie yeah
1: that's not actually it's,
0: it's the second shot the opening shot is space and we'll talk about that in a little bit um but then people point out i just found this a little bit ago that the very last scene of the movie also has a 666 and you can see this on the screen some people are pointing out it that does. it and, and this one's a little less believable but i i still believe it um because this is actually flipped upside down so when you flip the scene upside down, it looks like it says on the computer screen, die 666. So pretty weird. I also watched some TikToks where people were taking those numbers when they were right side up and trying to make sense of them. Mm. And use, like putting them into ham radio stuff. And they're like, I can't find. Any, this doesn't make any sense. Right. When you flip it upside down, it says 666. Got it. Um. So the opening music for this film is a song by Joey Badass, who I'd never heard of before this mm-hmm. view.
1: No, but something about the music hit me. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So the, the song is called the revenge. I'm not going to play the music video for you guys. I don't suggest you watch it, um, but I'll just tell you what it is. So it's the revenge with a three in it. Um, it depicts the whole music video is filmed inside of a church. And inside this church, you see a ritualistic sex scene, you see him murder someone, and then you see an Illuminati ritual on the stage of the church. I'm not exaggerating. They're all wearing the hoods. He's got the Leviathan cross on at least three scenes of this movie. So what you see is satanic sex magic followed by a satanic sacrifice followed by a quite overt satanic ritual on the stage of a church. And in the lyrics of the music of the song is quote, I joined the Illuminati. I got demons all around me. This is a guy who in his other music videos says I stand with Satan quite literally while the, the making for that music, we don't know what it's called, says, yes, we went to Haiti, filmed an actual voodoo ritual and put that in the music video. Oh like, this is the most overt, satanic, Illuminati confirmed music videos guy. I've never even heard of this guy. But the Except opening song for the movie is, again, quote, I joined the Illuminati. I got demons all around me, satanic sex magic, satanic ritual sacrifice and satanic uh, you know initiation on the stage inside of a of real church.
1: What's wild to me about that is that we don't know about him because like normally those rituals, they make people super famous. He's well known. We just don't listen to this type of music. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah,
0: No, he's well known.
1: We just have taste.
0: I've never listened to Doja Cat before either. I couldn't name a a thing she's done other than dress like a demon and be weird. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, but yeah, so let's, let's talk about these opening credits. I'm going to mute this. I'm going to play this in the background. Okay. But, uh, In the opening credits, you'll see it does like a James Bond thing Mm -hmm. where there's all these like symbols moving through the background and every symbol except one shows up in the movie. And that is interesting to me. And that's why I want to I want to show this. So uh, this right after she says, I fucking hate people. And then we see Leave the World Behind, you know, see the New York skyline Uh, right there's airplanes.
1: Wait, it's like, oh, that's the airplane. Those are the
0: airplanes that crash into the ground later in the movie. Here we see guns. Guns. There's the pistol that GH draws. Here we see upside down American flags, which makes sense. Flamingos. We're going to talk about flamingos in a little bit, but the flamingos Mm. do show up in the movie. Uh, More pistols. We see what uh, the oil barge is.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Shotgun. That's what Kevin Bacon is holding. Right there. What is that? I just got, it's very quick, but it happens twice. So if you miss it this time, I'll show it'll show it again. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Shotguns. And then...
1: That's the deer, but...
0: Those are, the, those are deer this time. I'm sorry, I paused at the wrong spot. Those are deer this time.
1: Uh-huh.
0: There's the spiral, spiral staircase. staircase. There's the money number, you know, money stuff, because he's a money guy. Oh, yeah. Upside down statues of liberty. Mm-hmm. Teeth because the kids' teeth fall out. Gross. What looks like upside on crosses becoming birds.
1: Mm, birds aren't real.
0: clocks. Clocks. There the it is.
1: Rhino. Oh, a bull.
0: That's a bull.
1: It's nowhere else in the movie.
0: There's nothing about a bull in this movie.
1: Except ball in the in the title Except page.
0: Except ball in the title page. And we'll point out some other references that I think are referencing. Yes. Ball, Ball. Referencing the bull. Referencing. Yeah. So I'm just saying everything else I can point to you what scene in the movie that it comes from.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: They show bulls. I thought they showed them twice. I think it was deer the other time. I must have got confused on that. And then we see the Teslas. Uh, satellite radio. Or sat phones. Yeah. Uh, satellites. satellites. Again, everything. Right here if we pause it at the right spot you'll see what i was showing you earlier the illuminati oh enemy. yeah and it's very clear it actually hangs on the screen there for a minute i don't i don't think they show the bulls yeah so that's it again bulls Just weird weird to include that when everything else has a scene in the movie, right?
1: Yeah, everything else is very significant <coughs> to the movie. It's 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 almost it's almost a spoiler. Everything else is almost a spoiler. Yeah, for so again, it's how James Bond happens.
0: movies do it, where it's like these are the things you're going to see in the movie. You get like mm. a glimpse of them. You'd be like, oh, what's that about? And then you'll see the movie and it mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Um, but the bull, right? So then let's go to the kid. This is the next scene in the movie. We see friends, as we talked about earlier. We'll talk about more in a second. So on the tablet. Aggressive. Next yeah. to... The Masonic checkers. Yes. The, Abraham, the Abrahamic tiles, Masonic checkers on the kids' swim trunks. So right there, you've got Freemasonry right next to it, a reference about friends, a cult, sac, cult ritual sacrifice. Um, then I want to talk about this. One. I don't have any pictures for this one, but uh, there's a scene in this movie that stood out to us both. Remember how I was saying earlier, there's things that feel weird. So oil tanker crashes on the beach. Right? They get an answer like, oh, hey, the satellite system's down and it just no one's in control of the damn oil tanker. They get in the car and then they have this line that says, Let's go to Starbucks, just out of nowhere. Yeah. It, it was weird. So weird. I'm not the only one that knows this. Uh almost everybody else I listened to was like, What in the hell was that about? Like, why out of literally nowhere say, Let's go to Starbucks, show a Starbucks cup, never it's just it's over. It's like four seconds, but it's just the most awkward transition ever it's not like the family's not shocked they just get over it and go to starbucks and it's odd and it feels important yeah i have one take on it that is and i don't think this is the right take and i'll explain why oh. i think the the surface level take would be they like this is how people treat climate change they just don't care they see the they see the climate going to hell and they just go hey eh, let's get starbucks screw, screw the environment right but yeah, in the rest of the movie, they're like they're still shocked about this thing. They're not over it, right? So like that doesn't make sense. Um, I started thinking about the the dual tailed mermaid on the Starbucks cup.
1: Right, the Starbuck. the Starbucks,
0: as I like, the to call Starbuck, it. As I like to, yeah, so we call it uh, the Starbuck, which is a reference to the thirteenth zodiac sign or or Fucus, who's mm-hmm. known as the serpent bearer. Mm-hmm. I thought it could be a reference to that. The only other thing I could think of is that it's, a, it, it, it's just showing it to show a siren because you just mm. saw a ship crash. And that maybe oh. what the movie's telling you is this movie on its surface level is digital and, you know, all about technology and our reliance on it. But on a right. deeper level, it is supernatural. And we're going to show yes. the supernatural aspects of this movie. So is it that they're saying the ship was drawn in by a siren? Like it's not as clear Ooh. cut as what you think it is. Right.
1: That's interesting. That so that interesting.
0: was kind of my thoughts on that. The next thing this is where we get into the spiritual aspect of this. This is where it gets weird. So we've got, because it hasn't
1: been weird so far has not been weird at all.
0: <laughs> it gets weirder. Um, <laughs> Clay's standing in the yard of the house and he sees the deer and the deer is the big question that everybody has about this movie. Like what the hell's up with the deer? If you haven't seen it, there are roving bands of hundreds or thousands of deer. They seem to have a life of their own. does the girl, doesn't she call them God at one point? Yes, she does, like doesn't off, she? Yeah, she does. There's an offhanded line about how um, yes. because of the technology going weird, the deer are migrating in some weird way, which doesn't make any sense. Because it's like this happened like four seconds ago. It's not like it's like a month into the apocalypse. It's like today right? the apocalypse there's started a, today. Why are deer massing by the hundreds and thousands
1: there's there's an There's an overt implication that the deer are God sending her a message
0: yes, and that is what you're supposed to take away from it from a climate change perspective is yes. that the deer know something they're sensing what we've done to the environment. We're evil, terrible humans, and we should sacrifice ourselves to the deer but what clay says. He sees a deer in the yard and he goes, huh, deer, that's a good omen in Mesoamerican mythology. And what's odd about it is everybody watching that scene automatically goes, I haven't looked into this yet. I haven't Googled it yet, but he's definitely not right. Yeah. Because you can tell it's a bad no omen. Way
1: it's not a, no way it's a good
0: omen. So I try to look into this. And I, when I look at Native American folklore, it's a good omen. Mm. When you look at Mesoamerican folklore... It's, it's not exactly the same. So I found, uh, there's this book, Oh uh, shoot, it's called the beast between deer in Mayan art and culture. Okay. And there's a few, uh, I look, I didn't buy the book, but there's a synopsis on what each chapter essentially represents. I'll read a few clips from this. I also found another site and I totally forgot to put this in my notes, but it said in, in, in Mayan culture, again, Mesoamerican Mayan culture, uh, the deer is a sign of chaos it's a sign of change. It's a bad omen. So in Native American culture, respect, strength, integrity, honor, good omens. Mm-hmm. In Mayan American culture, chaos, God. And then you get to this weird part because there's this like an eight chapter book where it goes through all the different symbolism mm-hmm. that deer means to the Mayan people. It says chapter three, big bucks and chapter five, locking horns, respectively, consider the imagery of the deer hunt in the context of elite social and political mm-hmm. status. And with respect to sacrifice imagery. So I'm just, Uh again, Uh the imagery of the deer in the context of elite social and political status and sacrifice imagery. Chapter three shows that deer bodies provide objects for tax, tribute, and trade. The deer also acts as a symbol for larger ideas about prey versus predator. Finally, at the ruling level... Dining on deer meat enabled competitive feasting, and may have indicated control over the areas it roamed or networks necessary for procurement. Even as the hunt itself acted as a metaphor for the elite male heroism. Chapter five explores animal hierarchies displayed during various activities, as demonstrated, for example, through regalia and or liminal associations carried by iconographical tags with a celestial, starry deer, crocodile, the deer headdresses that appeared in representation of ancient ball game or part of the elite pageantry taking place hmm. in site centers tapped into metaphors for war or political alliance. Ooh. This was envisioned in the context of predator and prey warrior and prisoner and the interconnections between these foils. If you search dear Mesoamerican Lord, this is the first book that comes up. It's o- the only book that comes up. So I imagine I am and I looked it up the day reference. the movie came out. I imagine that that this was the thing that he saw as he googled it as well, right? It's a, it's a reference mm. to this. Um it goes on to say more about it. the deer can be connected with first level elites by marking control of important resources. It's just saying over and over again that the deer hunt is a ritual sacrifice of the elites and how the elites loom over their people. Uh it talks about how wearing horns is like a sign of you know the it's all about the elites i think in chapter i was trying to find where chapter 7 is at but it's it it's a it's a fill in for ritual sacrifice and for the elites again the references keep coming back to elites ritual sacrifice elites ritual sacrifice is what this yeah. book just keeps referencing over and over again so if you do any digging on mayan cultures view of deer as omens it is if anything an omen of elite Ritual sacrifice. So. Oh, uh, ah. <laughs> just about knocking my desk over. Uh, then I got into another thought with this. That you and me talked about. So there's this. So you're talking about scenes that go nowhere. There's a scene where they're in the shed. They're, they find a shed outside of the house. Right? Yes.
4: And the, the really kids weird. are in the
0: shed. And the shed is only in two scenes in the movie really. And they all have to do with the deer. But like the first scene he walks in. And he's like I wonder who's watching you and she's like Mm. what are you talking about he's like well whoever's sleeping in this shed has a clear view of your bedroom window from here and he the the camera looks down at the floor there's a pile of leaves with a very clear human body impression it's never brought up again it's the weirdest. it's like someone's definitely sleeping in this shed Mm -hmm. with a clear view of the daughter's bedroom and it's never brought up again
1: yes and what is the only other living being in the movie that is
0: hangs around the shed all the time,
1: hangs around the shed all the time. And the one deer and that
0: looks like no other deer
1: contacting, contacting the daughter has a specific interest in the daughter the,
0: well, the one that's the aggressive deer. and angry and is contacting the daughter. It's a deer spirit, it's a spirit guide or it's a skinwalker. And I think mm-hmm. that's exactly what it's skinwalker who's transforming into a human mm-hmm. sleeping. That's got to be the implication it seems because like. he's the only one that's not acting like a deer. He's mm-hmm. acting aggressive. He's acting in control. It. He's leading the a, other deer. leading the other deer in a way that don't make any sense. I don't care like what you try to say. The only other explanation I found from this, and this might be part of the predictive programming, talking about deer is another story that came out um, 15 hours ago. <laughs> Again, all this stuff is coming out like right as we're doing this episode. Uh, is wow. this, scientists warn zombie deer disease could spread to humans as cases surge across lovely. the U S lovely chronic wasting disease was found in 800 samples of deer elk and moose across Wyoming. And it goes on to say, this could get into humans. Could it, it, it literally caused your body to decay. Mm-hmm. So Havana syndrome tick bite or chronic wasting disease. Like what's the implication there? You know what I mean? The deer was seemed protective of the girl, but maybe didn't like the 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 skinwalker didn't like the boy and gave him chronic wasting disease. I don't know. Interesting. But I I think it's I'm I'm leaning more towards the fact that this is a skinwalker. I think that's why they leave it open-ended of who the hell, like what human body shape is sleeping in that and why the deer is acting not animal like, why it's acting human like and why the girl references it as a spirit of some type, a leading spirit.
1: It yeah, feels, and it, God. Like, she references it as God. Yeah. And, which, and it's way bigger than the other deer.
0: And we've already pointed out that deer and sacrifice go together. What? How mm-hmm. do you become a skinwalker? Human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. This movie has tons of sacrifice references to it. The bull in the opening credits, the the ball on the, post, b- ball on the poster, 666, the Mesoamerican deer mythology, and then we've got a skinwalker reference. It's mm-hmm. just continually human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And we'll get back to the idea of human sacrifice because it comes back like three more times before the end of the movie. Jeez. But we have to talk about the other animal really quick. So there's this whole weird scene. We, we played earlier where G.H. and Amanda are talking. Yes. Meanwhile, Ruth and Clay are outside. And both scenes progress in the creepiest of fashion where yes. Amanda and G.H. almost kind of kiss. And then yeah, she's like they like, hug
1: a really long time. And then they're like, we're to a song, married.
0: Not, I'm not trying to be gross, but literally the lyrics of the song in the background is "Can you feel my heart on through my jeans?" Oh right
3: my now? god!
0: While they're hugging, it's very intentional. It's gr- yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, it's, and then she says, "It's really obvious."
0: And then she says, "I'm married," which makes you think that is exactly what's happening below right. the the camera, right? Right. So, and then the daughter's like overt with with the, the college professors and like, "Do you want to? Do you want to bang me?" Um, which is. <laughs> Everything about ends, her is so pedophilic. Yeah. Anyway, we, we can. Do you want to talk about that for a minute before I get into the symbolism?
1: The the daughter.
0: Yeah, the whole like pedophile symbolism with the daughter because it felt very there.
1: Yeah. So first of all, they never give her an age, but I guess according to the book, she's twenty seven. No, but
0: she's not in the book. She's not in the book. No, in the book, it's um him and his wife, and they're actually much oh, older. So. Okay. Uh, the reason I said she's 27 is because they left her tattoo that says '96', which is the year she was born in real life. Got it. Okay. So she's probably 27. The
1: actress is 27. She's very. She looks very young. She's very flat-chested, and they they very intentionally. Um, she doesn't wear a bra the entire movie.
0: No, my wife was watching with me. And she's like, "When can we normalize bras again? Like, I'm sick of staring at this chick's nipples the whole movie."
1: It's. It was. We we were joking when we were very watching prominent. it that. She didn't have boobs. She just had, had three-inch spikes yes. on her chest. Because that that's they what she to show
0: like. off in every scene of the movie.
1: So in, very flat-chested, very um, yeah, <clears throat> a weirdly sexualized prepubescent body is 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 what yes. it comes down to, right? And then she is very sexualized by the younger son who's using her as literally porn. He takes
0: pictures of her and jerks off to it i yes. didn't catch that the first time and i was like i caught him taking pictures i didn't catch that he was oh, whacking it yeah <laughs> i was watching yeah. it the second time with my wife and i was like
1: oh my god oh <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. yeah um so that <laughs> I warned
0: you is my point i didn't remember oh, it was in the movie fine.
1: um that and then she she comes on to
0: clay clay
1: yeah Asking him, oh, have you ever slept with one of your students? The implication being, do you like them like me? Like, do you like
0: student aged girls, student
1: aged girls? Yeah. Um, And then things are kind of sexually weird with her dad as well. Sharing we the bed in this? the last scene. Yes,
0: we can. Yeah. So frick the first scene where they go to sleep in the basement. Yeah. He goes, you take the bed. I'll sleep on the floor, which is. I'm sorry, but that's a line you say when you're forced to sleep in the same room with someone of the opposite sex that there could be the potential of something. Yes. Like, I'm thinking it's a fairly big bed. Your father and daughter, you just sleep in the same freaking bed. It's no not weird. No one would think that was weird. Who would think it's weird? He makes it weird by going, he makes oh, it I'll weird. sleep on the floor if you want me to. And then later on, she's like, will you please sleep in the bed with me? And it felt sexual. In their cuddling. Weird. Yeah.
1: There's another moment where he's in the shower and she just looks for a really long time at the shower door.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, like longingly, it what was are creepy. You... Oh. It was creepy. And that's what makes the next scene weird is like the, they're interrupted at in this scene where there's all the sexual tension between the different couples. I literally thought the movie was going to go there. Yeah. I, I and I was the only like, reason I know. it doesn't go there is because there's the sound attack. Pretty much. But right before the sound attack, a bunch of flamingos fly into the pool and they go, huh? That's weird. A bunch of flamingos. We're in New York. And I'm like, flamingos are a symbol for something. Oh, and I looked sure. it up and flamingos are a, it's it's the same as putting an upside down pineapple on your driveway. You put a pink flamingo and it, it says you're a swinger house. Yeah. So, the implication being there's swing going on, but because you plebeians can't understand the weird sexual appetites of the elites, we'll hint at it. For the people who get it, they get mm. it that we're saying that they definitely are banging. They're swinging right now, mm-hmm. but then we'll cut. That's I, I swear that's what it is. I The implication is she had she banged Clay and and G.H. and Amanda banged and that's what the elites do. But you guys can't know about it because you judge them. Yeah. Why else would you insert of all times the most overt and random symbol of swinging?
1: It's also like it feels like the nature god that's present in the movie is like, you're swinging and I know you're swinging. Well, yeah, here's some here's a bunch. of. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it was it was weird. (sighs) This is another weird one. I just found out today. There is a hidden QR code in this movie. This is so weird. I haven't even told you about it yet. It gets I know, weird. and I'm already weirded out. So in the scene where they show the TV and it's showing the blackouts and all that stuff, the last mm-hmm. time that they're able to get any technology to tell them what's going on, you know, no, that's not a... That's Virginia. That's Virginia. Yeah. Okay, in Virginia, there's a QR code. And people had to, like, enhance the <laughs> image and, like, Enance. change it to black and white. Enance, enhance! And, like, change the black and white, do all this stuff to, like, actually get it to scan because you can see there it's not very clear right so finally someone was able to figure out where this takes them and it takes them to lake shawnee abandoned amusement park in mercer county west virginia Mm. and uh let me pull up this website and show it to you so here's the website that'll it take you to lake shawnee abandoned amusement park there's something unnatural about mercy county attraction a native american burial ground violent deaths freak accidents Who knew a simple amusement park could have such a dark past.
1: This place is if you want to hear more, about, there's a um, there's an episode of unexplained with William Shatner on this and it is creepy as fuck.
0: Yeah, I'll read a little bit about this right off their website because it's important to the story. So Mm -hmm. again, why this of all QR codes? Why a this. random Native American burial ground? Because it's link, It's linking back to the the Native American Mesoamerican sacrifice stuff, mm-hmm. and you'll see it. It actually goes into it. Lake Shawnee's restless past originates in the 18th century during the late 1700s. Mitchell Clay, again, Clay's the main clay, character guy.
1: The Clay incident. His,
0: yep, brought his family out west. They established an 800 acre farm and raised 14 children. Tragedy st- struck the Clays in 1783. A Native American tribe slew two of the children while Mitchell was out hunting. They kidnapped one of the boys, Ezekiel, only to burn him at the stake. Clay retaliated with the help of other settlers. He tracked down several Native Americans and killed them. Uh, And then it goes on to talk about how this eventually got bought up. But there's one more part I want to read. Hold on. I wrote it down in my notes so I would make sure I was reading the right part. What Lies Beneath is what it's called. Uh, What Lies Beneath. After 20 years, this is after the park gets bought on Native American burial ground. Mm Mm-hmm. After 20 years, another businessman approached Lake Shawnee. Gaylord White thought the sleepy meadows seemed ideal for future neighborhoods. But as construction crews tore into grass and soil, they unearthed bones and Native American artifacts. It turned out the amusement park sat on top of an ancient burial ground, and most of the skeletons belonged to children. Mm. Archaeologists believe the remains had been there long before the settlers moved west was the Clay family cursed too. So this is... Not only a Native American burial site, this is the site of ritual child sacrifice. Yeah. How many times can this movie bring up child sacrifice? Yeah. More, because we're not even done. It's, it keeps doing it. So the next thing that happens in the movie is that GH goes to the Huxley house. We talked about this earlier. This is where the planes are crashing into the beach. Mm. The Huxleys, as you might know, we've talked about um is Al what's his name? Aldous,
1: Hux- Aldous Huxley.
0: Aldous I almost called him Alistair. Aldous Huxley, you know, wrote A Brave New World. He mm-hmm. was a eugenicist. His grandfather was known as Darwin's Pit Bull or Bulldog, Darwin's Bulldog. Mm. And he was a famous eugenicist and uh believed that exterminating the black race was the thing to do. And his grandson and Aldous Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley. Was uh, had was the one who coined the term transhumanism. Mm-hmm. He was the president of the British Eugenics Society.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He founded UNESCO. Um, and this is this is a quote. It says, "Our first task must be to clarify the notion of the desirable and undesirable directions of evolution." That's in the UNESCO <laughs> papers. Like how got founded. He yeah. also founded the World Wildlife Foundation. And this comes from a paper called "The World Wildlife Foundation: Race, Science, and World Government." The co-founder of both UNESCO and the WWF, not the wrestling kind, at the World Wildlife Foundation, Sir Julian Huxley was obsessed with population control, which he called, quote, the problem of our age. Huxley and Nicholson emphasized wildlife conservation was a pathway to this goal. So I just find it interesting that the house that he goes to also has all these references to eugenicists. Mm-hmm. Um, And then there's something that we showed at the beginning of this movie, but it comes up at the house. I'm going to show it on screen here for you guys. That is that blue is freaking everywhere in this movie. Yes. So much. And a- again, as someone who's worked in film, uh, people win awards for like how well they can use color and the repetition of color. There's... cinematographer cinematography Cinematography 101 you don't put that much of the same color in a movie in places that like they literally had to change street signs to be this color Mm -hmm. they had to repaint walls to be this color they had Mm -hmm. to buy a car that was this color they had to put random objects throughout all the scenes that were this exact color of blue um, including a like a home depot like store where you can tell that that was not the color of the signs they had to change it because it didn't look normal right Uh, it looked like notice this exact shade of blue Over and over and over again. And we already talked about direct energy weapons. What goes with direct energy weapons and the color blue? What does that make you think of?
1: That's the whole, the Maui stuff.
0: What was the most famous picture from Maui? The two most famous pictures from Maui.
1: The one that's striking me is like all the blue, the blue cars being fine.
0: The blue cars, that's the the color of Clay's car that gets attacked by a drone Mm -hmm. that looks like a direct energy weapon and it survives, right? So like that Mm -hmm. symbolism is there. What's the other one?
1: The uh, umbrella.
0: The blue umbrella. Whoa! What would I tell you if this movie includes a blue freaking umbrella Ah. of that shade in a disaster zone?
1: Yeah. It's the same shade of blue.
0: And there's other pinpricks of of
1: that blue in the scene too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Throughout the yard. It's all over the, it's all over the yard, but right there, if you can, I can't, I guess you can't see my cursor right there at the corner of the house is a blue umbrella in the same shade of blue from the Simpsons episode that predicted the the Mm -hmm. direct energy weapon attacks and from the Mm -hmm. actual pictures from Maui. This goes back to my earlier point. Like, there's this whole tension like, how much do the elites control? How much is actually fake and staged and gay? Mm. We're not really in control of stuff. But we're also going to make a movie in the summer that predicts accurately all of the messaging in the fall, including Matthew Perry's death and including the Maui wildfires, which are yeah. two of our biggest, epi- our biggest, our two biggest unhinged episodes. Yeah. Like, wow. that, like, this is, this is to me going like, I'm starting to question that they actually stage more stuff more in advance than we think yeah because like Oof. the the freaking blue umbrella it's the same freaking shade and no one else i saw pointing out that umbrella there but it's like it instantly struck it's me so in my overt, second playthrough yeah. yeah um again just the same shade of blue over and over again then we've got references to direct energy weapons throughout the movie mm-hmm And then we have all these references to, again, you know, I keep showing you that there's articles that come out like directly after this movie comes out that are all linking back to this movie. Well, there's another one of these articles, and it is about Mark Zuckerberg. Um, Oh, before we get to Mark Zuckerberg, I found this interesting today. We already showed the blue wall in the opening scene and the 666 and we showed on our maui episode that it doesn't have to be blue that they can set these direct energy weapons to pick a color to avoid Mm. that it can kill everything but one color and it doesn't have to be blue they can change the settings Mm -hmm. why is it why is it blue though if you had to guess because i think i found out
1: is it the like the coolest color the easiest on the spectrum it's the lowest
0: because because the direct energy weapons have to do with light frequencies
1: right it's what is
0: the light frequency of blue I don't know. According oh. to Google, it's six point six six is the frequency of the color blue. Well, gee. Yes. So again, blue wall in the beginning with six 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 on it. Blue umbrella. Direct Energy weapon references. And then wow. I find out that the color blue at the frequency at its at its ten to the fourteenth power hertz frequency is six point six six.
1: Jeez, Louises.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, it's freaking weird, right? So. Um, talk, but then I, I, what was I talking about it was Mark Zuckerberg. I've got to find this article. I know I have it here. Here it is uh, from Wired Magazine that came out uh, this week. I believe we've got this article that says uh, off the two lanes. So nobody working on this project is allowed to talk about what they're building. Almost anyone who passes compound security from carpenters, to electricians and painters to security guards is bound by a strict non-disclosure agreement. This is talking about Mark Zuckerberg's, over $2 million underground doomsday bunker in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Again, right after the movie comes out, Wired Magazine decides to tell us, hey, by the way, Mark Zuckerberg is building a doomsday bunker in Hawaii. A
1: weird amount of of articles that come out right after the movie involve the movie in some way, involve some strong aspect of the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's super weird. And it just goes on to say like, People are getting fired. People are getting sued. NDAs because they can't talk about it. Meanwhile, we've got people getting beaten up by the press, literally stalked, gang stalked, Mm. um, chokeholded on on television um, for asking questions about where the missing Maui children are. We've got every fact-checking organization going, there's never been a missing Maui child. They Mm -hmm. never were missing. They're not missing now. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: No one's ever been missing. Forget all the parents whose kids are missing. Right. That are in Maui because we can't talk about them. It's complete media blackout coming from the the people over there. Mm -hmm. And let's forget the you know, the people trying to interview these people who are getting beaten up on camera for asking the questions of the governor, of the police and of residents. We just have to accept that these elites are building giant underground bunkers in Hawaii. Thousand missing kids. Don't pay attention. Oh, it's just some crazy shit, dude. It just, if this movie, it feels like it's not only telling us what they want to do in 2024, but what they did do but in
1: 2023. But they already
0: did. Yeah. Yeah. So the blue thing really stuck out to me. Um, I don't know how I got these in the wrong order earlier, but I wanted to talk about this. This uh, again, talking about things that are definitely put on a screen on purpose. Uh, you don't put... Two kids standing next to each other with two words that line up at the exact level for your eyes to see. That's an mm. accident. I know people in set design. I've worked on movies and TV. Right. That's not an accident that you put a kid in obey for people who are listening. Boys wearing a shirt that says obey, stand next to a girl shirt that says NASA. Yeah. And then the movie's full of all these space shots. What is your th- take on like this messaging and why it's in there? Because it's, it's obviously intentional, but like why?
1: I struggle with this a little bit because <clears throat> I don't I don't have that same feeling like obviously I don't I don't think the world is flat and I'm I'm not that's not what I think I don't either. With right. NASA. And and
0: that's where everybody goes with this. Not everybody. I've heard other people be like, look, it's actually not about that. But that is the obvious yeah. knee-jerk conspiracy theorist reaction to be like, ah, the earth is flat. They're telling us to trust NASA. I'm like NASA's bad for a lot of reasons. And it's not all to do with your flat Earth theories. Sorry, yeah. it's just not. There's a lot of space shots in this. In this though. There's a lot of space shots. So there's, and we're, we'll talk more about them in a second, but like there's the opening shot, which is the sun coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a shot from the moon with the flag of you know, the NASA it's space It's very mission, visceral. While the sun is eclipsed by the earth. Mm-hmm. And some people have said that this is a representation of the black sun, which in alchemy is the first state of change. Mm. And it's also accompanied by depression, terror, and madness. So the, the mm. representation there is more of an alchemical thing. I would gotcha. say, I, again, I don't believe in flat earth, so I'm not thinking that's what this is. But what about Operation Paperclip? What about Nazi eugenicists? Mm. This movie has a lot of child sacrifice and eugenicist messaging throughout. And if you're going to push <laughs> obey NASA in front of me, I'm not going to not think about the Nazi eugenicists and operation paperclip that ran NASA. Right.
1: Yeah. Like it, NASA, I don't even know what NASA's doing anymore. Cause they're definitely not,
0: I don't either
1: <laughs> going anywhere. Well, um, there's the international space station, but that's about mm-hmm. it.
0: That's what I wanted to say right now. So we've already talked about how this movie is predicting a civil war. There's two movies that I'm going to talk about, but we're going to save this for the rumble section. We're going to play the full trailers. We're going to talk with the audience about it over there there's a movie coming out next year from a 24 called civil war. Mm, this movie seems lovely. to be telling us it's going to be civil war. We're hearing about a black, black swan event. This movie's all about how they're going to cause a civil war.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then there's a lot of shots of space. There's a obey NASA mm-hmm. message. And right after this movie comes out, there's a movie called ISS, about the international space station yep. where the American astronauts get a call from NASA to say, kill the Russians on the space station. We're at war. Yeah. And the Russians get a call from the Kremlin that says, kill the NASA astronauts we're at war. So we're going to talk about all the occult symbolism in that on the rumble section after the show. Okay. Uh, so if you guys are listening to this, come over, check it out. Um, you know, join us on local, something like that. Um, but I, I don't know, like people can make what they want, but the obey NASA thing, like I think NASA is just as bad as everybody else thinks they are. I just don't think the earth is flat. Okay. Um, and I, I think like it, it annoys me. Like we've talked about this so many times. I think a big part of what we do with this show is that people get stuck in these ways of thinking that they heard one person say it. And then they're like, that is the thing. Mm -hmm. And then just keep saying it. And I feel like I want to bring fresh eyes to the conspiracy community and like re-examine stuff. And I think if you haven't listened to our gold juice episode, I think that's exactly what Mm -hmm. that was about. I know Abby's done it with a few episodes with the Q episode in particular. Everybody had a, a narrative on Q that was one of two narratives. And Abby brought a third narrative that I thought was very interesting. So, um, my point is, just because other people say it and you've heard it repeated a tons of times, doesn't mean that they're any more right than right. the the propagandists.
1: Well, um, I mean, I think
0: we're looking at NASA the wrong way because we're stuck on flat Earth, just like I would think we're looking at the Mandela effect the wrong way because we're stuck on multiverse, yeah. and we're just so stuck in these grooves. And I'm so glad to see that the whole narrative around Mandela has changed in the last two months. It has,
1: <laughs> and and about and about space. I mean, Mr. Lewis is right. Kubrick left that flag on the moon. If you don't know. NASA wanted to fake the moon landing and Stanley Kubrick is such a perfectionist that he insisted they film the fake on location so
0: <laughs> I love that joke so <laughs> good so good.
1: <laughs> so good anyway I'm glad everyone's waking up to the fact that Kubrick left that flag on the moon and that's what they're trying to
0: tell us, in that's this what movie. us. Yeah. that
1: scene was visceral though Mm-hmm. Where you are, you are looking at the flag flying on the moon. See, you know, I think that there's only two times you see an American flag flying in the movie: the one on the moon, and the one on Kevin Bacon's character's porch. Yeah. I, I,
0: that and, was very and, intense. They were really shown to be a MAGA supporter, bad bad person for liking America.
1: But the implication of that, like. Look how far you have fallen. the world's falling apart. America's falling apart. But like I do m- think that that's you what the put sp- a flag I do on the moon. think that
0: that's half of what the moon symbolism was. Mm-hmm. Was half America it. used to be great. And now yeah. it's divided and it's going to fall. Yeah, I really think that's what it was. I have another thing we'll talk about in a second. But I do think that, that was definitely at least the surface level interpretation. It of that hits
1: you. Scene. Even if you can't put words to it, that scene hits you in the gut with an emotion
0: because the moon's abandoned. Yeah. Right. Like if you really believe we went to the moon, we've left it sitting there and done nothing for we, we, a long we've degraded time. as a society in so many yeah. ways. And I really do think that's part of the symbolism. Uh, the last symbolism we're going to talk about cult symbolism. Again, there's things we missed. We'll talk about over on rumble. If you guys have anything to point out is this red hallway It oh ends with goodness. the girl going down this red hallway, which it's bathed in red in a movie that is so blue. Yes. Suddenly it's, it's like suddenly it's what's happening. Stupidly red. And red, red hallways in dreams and other things, they're, they're a transitional state, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into the movie ends with a very stepping into, through a portal, into a new thing messaging. Mm. And the first symbol of that is the red hallway. Mm-hmm. At the end of the red hallway, she finds the bunker. And this is where it's going to get weird. So I keep saying that, but it does. It just keeps getting weirder. At least to me, it does. So at the end of this red hallway... I gotta find the picture. We see the, the name of the security system, the shelter. It's called Commodus. Commodus.
1: Commodus Survival Shelters.
0: Which is not a real company. Okay. But Commodus is the name of a Roman emperor. Yes. Who went insane, declared himself a god, and was strangled to death in a bathtub. Oh. Yeah. Nice. So, the very end of the movie transitional state, portal imagery, red hallway bathtub bathtub ritual sacrifice imagery and the ends with the last episode of friends
1: yes and like the whole movie this, this <laughs> the friend symbolism has been so overt and she, the, the little girl is just desperate to keep watching friends she's like i have to know how it ends and there's this comment about how like friends is nostalgic for a world that never existed and and all this stuff she just wants to know how it ends that's all she wants and like the only thing she wants from the dear God who's talking to her is a way to watch the last episode of Friends.
0: And he leads her to it.
1: And he gives it to her. He yeah.
0: leads her to the house where they have the Friends DVD set in their bunker. It, like, it, just, it blows my mind because I'm like, if you didn't get that the bathtub ritual was a ritual for Matthew Perry. They're like, right. here's, here's an obvious reference to a bathtub ritual sacrifice at oh the end God. of a portal imagery going into... Matthew freaking Perry on the screen with the yeah. friend's theme song ending it. Like th- for a movie that came out in a festival while Matthew Perry's dying in a dying pool, in his in a yeah, hot tub. I just like I if I wasn't convinced when we did our unhinged episode that he was ritual sacrifice, this movie has super convinced me. It's wild that, that we that put a theory a out sacrifice. there
1: and it feels like it's like straight up been proven.
0: Or heavily at, least three confirmed. Th- at least three theories we put out in this season or in this year, this last year feel confirmed by this movie. Mm. The whole Maui stuff, the Matthew yes. Perry stuff, at least those two. There's probably a third one. But, um, yeah, I don't know, guys. I got one more thing to leave you guys with, and then we'll go over and we'll play those trailers. We'll read your memes with we'll all that stuff. But someone on TikTok says that they think that they figured out when this civil war is coming that the movie seems to be alluding to nice and it's it's fairly convincing stuff so let's check this out and then i got a five-star review to read and we'll we'll end the episode so here's this
2: know the date of when all this is to take place because this movie left all the key date see when the movie first starts out you have a sunrise that is taking place And then the movie shows this. Now, a lot of people sit here and they watch this and they think that it's a solar eclipse that's happening before your eyes, and no, that is not the case. See, for a solar eclipse, you have to have the moon in between Earth. And for a Mm -hmm. lunar eclipse, you have to have the Earth between the moon. Which, as you see, you are on the moon and you are looking at Earth with the sun behind it. So yes, Mm. that is a lunar eclipse. So you're going to sit here and say, well, War Deadpool, there is a lot of lunar eclipses that are due to happen in the next 10 years. Which one is it going to be? And that's where this bad boy comes into play that's at the end of the movie. And there's the day. And here's the message that comes up saying that we've been under attack, that there's elevated you-know-what, and again, there's the day. So here you have it, September 18th, 2024 is when a lunar eclipse is to take place, and that message comes out on September 17th, 2024 now yeah so
1: wait how close is that to the one that is every year september 25th is it
0: (coughs) sorry what about september 25th wait what's
1: the day? i I could have it be be, what's the day that like every year people like the world's gonna end on this day
0: oh that's um october 23rd oh is it okay so so it's it's september but september eight what do you say 17th 18th. Uh, or, <laughs> September eighteenth of next year, okay, is when the uh, is a, is a lunar eclipse, and this movie has the date September seventeenth. Wow, when the message came out the day before, the you know what I'm saying like it's yeah. saying, hey, yesterday you got this message. Today's obviously September eighteenth, and there's a lunar eclipse, so it's pointing us to yeah. maybe a specific date. I don't know, guys, um, but I found that pretty interesting. That is interesting. Um, so really quickly, I gotta find. This, um, obviously, uh, we read your guys's five star reviews if you post them. I think I have a feeling we've had a few people send us screenshots of five star reviews they've put on Apple iTunes that I don't see when I go there. It might be you guys maybe just have a privacy setting that doesn't show it, shows you have another review, but we just can't read it from there. So if if that happens, uh, feel free to screenshot it, send it to us, Mm -hmm. we'll read it, uh, which is what I'm going to do right now. So this one comes from the Real Ohio Ashley, which is just propaganda in a screen name.
1: Yeah, I don't think this person even exists. <sighs> I don't
0: I, I think it's a fake review. So we'll we'll read it. It's fake screenshot, but, fake person, fake but, review. <laughs> yep, but uh, I'll read it because it's it's nice to us. So it's <laughs> okay, fair. Fine. <laughs> searching for the truth, you've come to the right place. I came to Apple Podcast just to write this review. I listen on locals and rumble, so I get their unhinged episodes as well as the rumble-only commentary at the end. I've always been intrigued by the unknown and the secrets hidden from the common citizen. As a Christian, I always looked at, or I was always looked at as someone who shouldn't have these questions or even think of them in the first place with the world growing increasingly evil and everything that's seemingly good, becoming bad and bad, becoming good. It's hard to know what the truth is anymore. I'm going to pause. I'll finish reading this. second. she's not wrong that like there's like in the Christian community, it's like, how dare you ask questions about the world? That's obviously Mm. run by Satan lying to you. It's like, As Christians, we should be like automatically conspiracy theorists. Right. Uh, Abby and PJ, the host of this show, uh, look at all the most intriguing and interesting conspiracy theories and just downright strange occurrences with a well-researched and Christian perspective. Not only have they opened my mind to biblical truth and make me laugh till I cry, I feel that I've found a home for myself and like-minded people in their conspiracy-pilled community. Whether you are looking for info on cryptids, the Illuminati, or just to grow stronger in your faith, you cannot go wrong. With listening to this podcast i can't rate it highly enough the real ohio ashley so yeah no ashley's awesome i i am gonna She's forever cool. tease you about being you know from ohio <laughs> Real But uh, <laughs>
1: ohio. Real ohio. i mean she picked that name just to troll us let's just be just, honest
0: she 100 she did but
1: <laughs> hey we can we can we can hit back we're allowed to do
0: that yeah we're allowed to do that so again if you want to support the show for free leave us a five-star review otherwise please come over to locals uh, or Rockfin, support us there. All the links are in the description below. We will see the rest of you guys tomorrow on Unhinged. If you're watching live, stick around. We'll chat with you. We'll play some trailers. We'll read. Have a great night, and God bless.